Hi, hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. It is episode 313, and we are recording on August 26, 2023. I am your host this week, Josh Torres. I am not your usual host, Brian Vitali. He is still out on a work trip. He should be back next weekend. He's doing well. He visited the UK, and now he's half British, I, I hear. Oh, so, uh, yeah. our, that's a bummer for you, Joe. <laughs> he referred to oh, a, he referred to a group of men as gents. Like, oh, no, we lost him. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So yeah, that's at least half British there. Oh shit. Well, as you heard, uh, I am uh, joined by the usuals. I am joined by Adam Vitali. Hello. I'm joined by Chow Min Wu. How's it going? And I am joined by James Galizio. Hey, folks. I'm using a different mic today. Yep, and uh, and my I hopefully my voice sounds better from last weekend. Um, and I feel like I've gotten better uh, from my sickness. Uh, this week we have uh, qu- quite a bit of things to talk about. Um, for, for as for like games that came out this week, not really on the RPG front, but Armored Core did come out, and I'm legally obligated to talk about Armored Core uh, at least for a good chunk of time because it's been a decade since the last one. Um, I also get to talk about what I really went to San Francisco for. I went to go visit Psy Games and uh, to go check out Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. Interviewed them, did a preview. Um, so we'll talk a bit about that. That went really well. Uh, and then the good, the most of the chunk of news this week is just as you guessed, it's Gamescom week. So we had uh, opening night live with, uh, hosted by Jeff Keighley and everything else that came out of Gamescom. Uh, we'll about here on the RPG front. So, the start of a new From Software title came out this week, Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. It is, as you imagine, a new Armored Core game following, following up from, you know, uh, since the last the last time an Armored Core game came out, like in, what, 2013, with Armored Core 5 Verdict Day. Um you know, a, a lot's changed and a lot uh, stayed the same. Um, for anyone who's been who's been keeping up with this, it seems like a lot of people um, struggle with this game. You know, a lot of people have been talking about the difficulty level of this game. It is very much, I would say, an old school type of game design um, that you see fewer and fewer of. It is stage based. It is not open world. There's no RPG levels or anything like that. It is very much, hey, you take on mission. You can, uh, along the way, you gain new mech parts. Um, and, you know, the level of customizability is uh, staggering, you know, for for people who've never played these types of uh, uh, mech games. You know, you can have different parts for your head, your body, your arms, your legs. Um, you can have up to four different weapons on you, uh, two on your main arms, two on your shoulders. Uh, and then all your internal parts is like your fire control system, your booster... Um, your generator, and then there's like these these new uh, OS parts that you can have on uh, on you to like do different stuff, like make a shield or unleash a shockwave. And then on top of all that, you have like this very very in depth like uh, paint editor, um, and then you can make your own image uh, images and emblems and decals uh, using the in-game tools. And people uh, over the years in the Armored Core community have gotten very 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 good at manipulating uh, from software's uh, uh, image editor in Armored Core 5 um, to the point that, like, they can just make any fucking emblem. You see, you know, people sharing, like, Ace Combat emblems, 
both share anime emblems, like, and then anime images, um, you know, and whatever else, whatever emblems they see in other games, they yeah, so, recreate that. I haven't, I haven't, first of all, I guess I should say I, I never played Armored Core 5 or Verdict Day, mainly mm-hmm. because I heard they weren't very good. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, they're, they're very multiplayer focused. Like, that was like, like, it was a very, mm-hmm. it, was, it was that time where like games like focused on their multiplayer modes a lot at the cost of like their single player content. Yeah, but I played and, 4 Answer before that, which one was that, 2008? Okay. Yeah, around there. I like that a lot. Um, I played 2 and then 4 Answer and then mm-hmm. one of the other ones. So I haven't played all the Armor Care games, but I played a handful of them. Now, I, I bought six. I haven't started it yet. I have seen some both praise and criticism for, like, the overall design of the game being this sort of mission-based, you know, structure. No cutscenes. It's basically just mission briefings in the form of PowerPoint slides and, like, audio. And I honestly, like, no, I'm not the only one who has this opinion, but I kind of appreciate that it just is tried and true and it's stuck stuck like that style mm-hmm. rather than having it be like some sort of cinematic semi-open world exploration armored core game yeah you know? uh i just i kind of i kind of like the old more like i think how you put it in your review at least in terms of the presentation of the game was kind of nostalgic kind of feels like an old school style of game obviously with you know modern controls and visuals and effects and things like that so I'm really excited to play this. Uh, it's also not as long as all the other RPGs that we've been playing. Yeah. You, said you, you said you finished like one playthrough in about 20 hours. Is that right? Yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, there's reasons to replay uh, the game. But it's kind of been fun seeing the, uh, the response to this game. I think most people are going in understanding that this, this isn't Souls. This isn't an RPG. It's a mech action game. Um, there have been a few funny, like if you look at Steam reviews, there's a few weird ones where people just had the, the wrong expectation of what this game was, and that's fair. But I think for the most part, uh, I'm going to be optimistic and think that most people probably had an idea of what they're getting into, or at least under or accepting that this is a a a mech game, not a Souls game, and it's just kind of fun to see, like in the last ten years, FromSoft has really elevated its. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like it's reputation, visibility, yeah, it's reputation. Oh, yeah. Uh, very. It's. I think. I think this is a. When you when you go by Steam concurrency, it's the second most for a FromSoft game, meaning it's beaten every single Dark Souls game, just not Elden Ring. I saw that somewhere. I hope. I hope that's accurate. Uh, where is yeah, I, I, yeah, I heard something similar to that too. Yeah, I'm just it's it's uh, just a second at uh, Elden Ring in terms of like concurrent peak i guess yeah which i think uh, it was around like one hundred and fifty thousand, but it's it just it's just kind of fun to see like you know 10 years ago when verdict day came out only the diehard you know armored coal fan base was really aware of it and i think that was like just shortly after dark souls so even though dark souls had kind of come out and made like a splash in a sense it definitely nearly wasn't at the point that we are now where FromSoft just has that visibility and has that reputation where people who have never played Armored Core are now interested in it because they liked Elden Ring or or Dark Souls or what have you. So it's really yeah, it's cool kind of see. a it's kind of like a bizarre phenomenon because by its nature, like these like these mech builder type games, you know, are are niche inherently. You know, you don't see a lot of 
you know, you see like like the education or at least the date, like Damon X Machina, definitely inspired by it, but it's kinda of its own separate mm-hmm. thing. But just like just try to popularize and uh and kind of not not mainstreamify, but um trying to get it to a wider audience, reaching a wider audience, like how do you make this appealing to people of like trying to ask them, Hey, this is kinda of like an old school type of uh like mission based game and it'll be tough at points. And the the solution is not to go off and level up your stats. It's to go to the garage and go test out new builds and mech parts and seeing what might work Do you against think like it's, the preferred. I think in your I think in your review you said it's actually on the easier side, or at least not as not as hard as Last Raven. I never played Last Raven. Yeah, for 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 so, me because like I like I like I kind of used to like the difficulty of these games. So like I comparing it to like. The really high end, like difficulty I, stuff, like last I, 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 I didn't think Armored Core, like in the ones I played, like two and four answer. I didn't think they were hard. I mean, they weren't cakewalks, but I'm just like, is this game harder than games in the past, or is it just people are unfamiliar with them? I, I think it's a bit mix of both. Like, it, like it, it does kind of surprise at the beginning because, um, like in, in this installment of Armored Core, like they do have like more bigger boss battles, more like st- standard boss battles that you've seen in like pass from games like it like in the souls games where like you face off like a really big thing with like a, like enough on a life bar and like you don't really see that it that much in older games you see it here and there but not to this kind of scale and how they did it so like the the first few bosses like the tutorial boss and the end of the chapter one boss like they're definitely difficulty spikes of like it might ca- catch you off guard you can't just take a, a straightforward approach to them you kind of have to tactically approach them and think about oh okay i have to work around this new stagger bar and i have to fill this up and then i'll get big damage once they're staggered and but like the 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 behavioral patterns of these bosses are very aggressive it's not like souls where like it's a strict pattern where like you can kind of wait out their moves and then punish their moves this one is you're constantly being barraged by attacks and you have to actively dodge these attacks and kind of make the most out of like the few openings that the boss gives you they're definitely more it's a different ebb and flow than like a souls boss it's definitely more aggressive you have to think more on your feet and it's it's definitely just kind of more chaotic uh inherently by the genre itself i mean that 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 sounds my my question is this first boss is it the spider that everyone's being filtered by the, the for the first one that people are really filtered by is the tutorial boss, which is like the big VTOL chopper at the very yeah. end of the tutorial mission. Yeah, it's very early on. And then like the chapter one boss, uh, Baltius, mm-hmm. is also a really big wall. Uh, I think they might have tweaked the uh, truck on top of the actual wall in chapter one, because that was also something that a lot of folks were kind of being filtered by in the preview event. I think they might have tweaked it last minute because it had an annoying thing where it would like, since you have to hit it from the back, you kind of had, um, it would like very, very quickly as soon as you caught up to it, like kind of swerve 180 degrees. So it, it, it was, it was annoying if you, unless you use like vertical missiles. I think it's probably a bit easier now because I haven't really seen too many people. Like, yeah. I, I think, yeah, they might have that. Yeah. That's the juggernaut. But yeah, like the, the the one that a lot of people get caught up on, also as as James mentioned, is Baltius fight, where it's kind of like it's that um, thing. If you've seen any of the trailers, it's that it's that one flying boss with the mech in the middle, surrounded by kind of like coils all around it in a spherical pattern, and then just fires a shit 
ton of missiles and it's uh, surrounded by like this pole shield. Yeah, so, I I haven't been playing Armored Core yet because um, I am playing Starfield. I can't talk about it, but basically stuck playing that for the foreseeable future. Uh, but if anyone is stuck on Baltius, uh, quick tip, uh, kicks, swords, and uh, sometimes the best defense is being more offensive than you'd like. Yeah. When it shoots out a bunch of missiles, sometimes the best move is just to boost right in. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so people have been finding their own solutions to, to that. And then, and then the, the, the next one after that, the end of Chapter 2, boss is like this armored spider um, and it has like a, a phase change at, at like the halfway point where it starts flying up. Um, and and the, the, I, like for me, I, I didn't think that'd be like when I when I played through that, I didn't think much of that boss. But I, I it's because so it's kind of catching me off guard that a lot of people are like having trouble with that one too. Um, but I'm just like, yeah, I can like you know, it, it's kind of pe- people will find you know their own personal walls with this game, and we'll just have to adjust around it. But um. But the, you know, but the, the actual game content itself is very, very solid. I played the PC port, and that ran very smoothly. I, I hear, the, I hear this is quite possibly FromSoft's best PC port. Uh, I believe it. Yeah, this is way yeah. better than like Elden Ring's PC launch, which is no a stutter. Like I've not seen a single person like say that their shader stutter. Uh, it has 120 FPS support. It has ultra wide support. Mm-hmm. It. It, it seems versus... to be running really well on pretty much every system. So it's like, yeah, it's not a super technically demanding game, but like, I don't think people really care about that as long as it runs well and looks good. And yeah, yeah. And, and I play this on keyboard and mouse because uh, I was really yeah, curious. I, I heard, the, I heard the keyboard and mouse controls are good. Yeah, they're they're very very good. I was very surprised that like everything's fully rebindable on controller and keyboard and mouse. Um, no limitations to that and. Yeah, it just it, it runs like a dream uh, on that. That's definitely my preferred way to play on it. But you know, if, if you want to play on controller, and then there's nothing stopping you. We probably should have mentioned yeah. this earlier, but like we understand that Armored Core is not an RPG. We kind of covered it on our site in the sense that we have a lot of obviously most FromSoft games recently are RPGs, and we covered all of them. I think except Sekiro. Sekiro was mm-hmm. sort of weird because they kept calling it like I think. And in the like, end, it, we, like, we could have covered it. Really, yeah. I I would argue we probably could have done a numbered review from Arm, for Armored Core just based off of what I played at the preview event. Right. Well, I was going to get into that. Like this game is not really an RPG, but there are things that you know. There's some DNA there. There's like a lot of stats that you're, you're that you're affecting based on your build, based on what I saw Josh's uh, preview and review. Um, and you know, there's no levels or anything like that, but. You know, there's that sort of personal customization element that RPGs have. Yeah, and, and well, then like it's fun. Yeah, we're about to get to the same point, but like in the, in this installment, there's like persistent progression too, where you kind of get these uh, OS tuning chips from arena fights, and you can like slot those into like the right. OS tuning to like kind of get permanent upgrades, like uh, upgrades to like your defense, upgrades to like your damage types. Um, you know, which is you know RPG light. Yeah, um, but really, sense. we just wanted to cover it just because yeah. we felt like people were interested and mm-hmm. we wanted to. Sometimes yeah. it's as simple as that. Yeah, pretty but much. Just, just a random question. Since you, you have been it, right? Like, completely, right? Yeah, I've played um, it three times. Three times. <laughs> three times. Uh, does this have the Moonlight Laser Sword or whatever it's called? The Moonlight yes. Blade? Yes, it has Moonlight Sword. 
Oh, so. is it the still best weapon for, for um, melee? Uh, I, I, I don't think so, personally. It is it is good for some chases, but I don't think it's the best. Like, like it's, it's one of these, like, these types of gears are, like, it's always hard to judge what's the best depending on, like, what you're up against. But, like, if you're, like, if you're talking about melee, it's gonna be tricky to use. Um, I mean, I mean, in PvP, it's gonna be tricky to use in PvP, I think. Um, but definitely for some melee builds uh, that you're doing, it, it, it does have its uses. It is pretty cool. Like, so. that's the weapon I remember most in the Armor Core yeah. series. Because I only played, I think, like, two Armor Core games in my life. I played Project Phantasma and master <laughs> and yeah. i remember always trying to get that that sword it was like the best weapon in that game for melee wise back in that day because back then it was just like you know there was just like a flat stat you don't have like you know like modern souls game kind of where it's like nothing there's no good or bad items right it's like one thing has a little trade-off right yeah so. and, and i think this game follows that up too where like i don't think there's really a best um weapon it it, it really just depends on what type of uh Build you're 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 trying to do and what you wanna what what you wanna give up and what will uh, to make that build work pretty now, much it's a lot of like give and take. Now the one new the you said the biggest new thing in this game is basically stagger. Yeah, because I I don't remember stagger in armored. Core. No, like like stagger has always been like kind of like almost like a hidden thing like in like in, in four answer that you played like if you hit something hard enough. In it, yeah. There's some like, like, like recoil and sense, yeah. like yeah, like 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 they'll get like you know they'll, they'll kind of like take a uh, like maybe uh, maybe a second or two to like kind of regain their footing before they, they would move again. Yeah, it yeah. was like it was sort of like yeah. micro stagger. Yeah, that, that, that's you know so like that that concept has been in a previous in previous armored core games, but like in this one is kind of like the main focus where you can actually see this bar filling up when it fills up either on you or an opponent. You know, but like you'll freeze up for like like a second or two, and then during that time, all hits you take are, are direct hits, so like they they deal bonus damage. So you really wanna that that's kind of like your DPS window. Unlike when you stagger an opponent, that's when you can really shred its HP if you really um, maximize how many shots you're um, getting in during that time, and that's also what makes this game kind of have a different ebb and flow to other games because kind of straight hits, every straight hit that you take matters because that feeds your bar. So it can just accumulate without you knowing um, because you're not thinking about it. And all of a sudden you get hit with a bad shot. You're staying in the air for like three seconds. And then in that time, everything's just firing at you. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like a, a mechanic that's like too in your face. So you have to be kind of mindful about it at all times because almost everything that you fight against has a stagger bar uh, with you and that's that's kind of the biggest learning curve i feel for this type of game uh to, to work because yeah that guy, like i said at any time like you might just be able to like freeze up off of, like a straight shot and then you, then you'll really like the, the game is really good at knowing hey you got stagger you'll just hear like a hear a loud ear shot sound of like, saying like hey you fucked up. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, and yeah, um, you know, um, the, the, uh, narratively, this game is pretty solid. You know, it's about this um, planet that you come across called Rubicon 3. You take on the role of like a nameless mercenary, like an augmented human. You work for this uh, guy named Handler, Handler Walter. And like other Armored Core games, you're kind of uh, work at the behest of like multiple 
uh, corporations um, as a mercenary group taking on requests, and then you know at, through the the story presentation of like mainly comms and radios and um, briefings, um, you're, you'll see you'll see more and more of the plot uncovered based on like character interactions primarily. You'll see you'll see a few cutscenes here and there of like confrontations, but it's nothing like like a like a cutscene of like two people just like hanging there talking for a uh, short for a long amount of time. It's it's very brief and concise. Uh, it tells you what you need to know, um, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I don't know. I don't want to be like cynical or dismissive, but Armored Core is one of those games like I don't need a, an intricate story. I don't need elaborate scenes or like characters. Just kind of give me some basic through line about like mm-hmm. here's some conflict and you are some mercenary and here are some reoccurring uh you know enemy mercenaries that you fight against and you know i just just give me something simple that's yeah fine. there's, there's memorable character yeah there's memorable characters as you like you know rusty is like one of the first you know allies that like you you work with and after you like you defeat like the juggernaut the he's like He's like we're, bu- we're we're buddies now, you know. And he's like I'll fill you in on like what was supposed to happen in his mission. Like you're supposed to be like sacrificed at the behest of you know uh, this to make this mercenary group look better, pretty much. Um, and then Rusty's a reoccurring character. Um, Balaam and the Red Guns are, are a reoccurring faction that you you work with, and sometimes you may work against at some points. Yeah, too. But they're very, you know. Um, they're, they're they're very because you're a mercenary. So you, yeah. some, you just fight for who whoever pays you. Yeah, so. yeah. That, like the, the way they speak, the way their manners. Like you can like what what's really good about this game, especially in its voice acting, is like you'll pretty much recognize everyone by voice is because they they put that their voice at the front and center along with their emblem and call sign. But you'll recognize like if you if you were to just like by the end of this game, if you just heard like a random conversation with these voice actors. You'd be like, "Oh, that's Carla. That's Walter. That's uh, um, G One Michigan." You know, just by their voice alone, and that's that's really cool. That's like a, that's a, that's a way to like kind of make an effective story, you know. Um, and, and it's kind of like in contrast to like how most games do it these days. Yeah, just... that that kind of goes back to like I like the I like the old school style, and that they didn't try to make it some cinematic game. With you know, I just don't need it. Mm-hmm. I like it like this. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and and then like you know, um, as I mentioned earlier, I beat it three times because there's different things that happen in like New Game Plus and even New Game Plus Plus. Um, different like missions you'll get. Different um, there, there's like sometimes you'll have like these uh, decision missions where you'll get like at least two missions with like this little marker that says decision, and then. It's like pick one or the other. Like if you pick this mission, the other mission is closed off to you until the next playthrough, um, pretty much. So you can uh, there's like branching paths to a certain extent in the story, and and each of the, like my three playthroughs had different final bosses and mm-hmm. different endings. So you know, there, there, there's there's like even though like uh first like uh, uh, the initial playthrough might be on the lower end of hours as most like games these days. There's like you know, it's highly replayable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason to go back and uh, you know see more of it and collect new parts and see new stuff. And so it, it it for me it was it was very relaxing to play. It was nice, like just kind of having you know a very old school type of game, but like very very polished and like the modern production values. 
yeah. and still and still like believing in this type of like video game presentation yeah. almost um which i appreciated yeah it'll be interesting to see how well this does because i think it's no question that this is going to be the best-selling armored core game because no armored core game before this sold well i mean I, th- I think Armored Core 2 like was like I think over the only one that I've met over a million I think. Yeah, it's there it's so clearly this has way more visibility, way more platforms cuz I think none of the other ones are on PC, right? They're all just like PS3 and Xbox 360 or yeah, PS2 or PS2. One. So mm-hmm. um so yeah, this is going to be it'll be interesting to see like uh, I, I assume it'll break a million, but like how many yeah. millions? It's really hard to say. Like two million, pretty, pretty much. Million? Pretty much. Yeah. I like mean, I, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what, what upper, it's. I don't know what the upper what the ceiling is. It's definitely yeah. going to be the best of the series, but it, it, it's a it's like a fascinating case study of like how do modern artists take to like old school game design these days? Mm-hmm. Like you know, and like uh, the, 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 it's just fun, fun see like the conversations people have uh, been having with this game and seeing how how people play this game too like you know streams and it's funny seeing like some like souls people like try to play this almost like a third person cover shooter which is something <laughs> you can't really do but they try to do it at the beginning you know it's it's been very <laughs> funny seeing lead up to this that uh popular like souls youtuber vadi vidya actually went through the entire armored core series and like legit became like a super fan and honestly huge props to him yeah that mm-hmm. that's really cool to see someone that's like obviously soul stuff is his wheelhouse but he decided you know what i'm going to give this a series that's from one of my favorite developers a proper shot want to know what the uh, history of it is like going into the new one and honestly really cool stuff it's it's funny to think about too because if you think about just quantity alone, like, and it's hard to think about it like in the, from the perspective these days. But Frontsoft still has way and above like has made more Armored Core games than they have made like Soulsborne games. Yeah, <laughs> even at Sekiro. So like like Armored Core Six is like like the fifteenth Armored Core game they made. I remember like oh this is probably like twelve years ago. I think it was when Four Answer came out, which is yeah uh, like how long ago was that? 15 years ago anyways mm-hmm. i remember even back then people joked that armored core is a series that refuses to increment numerically because there's like two different armored core twos there's like two different spin-offs two different armored core fours then there's two different armored core fives kind of funny and then there's also like there's also like like mobile like not mobile um handheld spin-offs like there's psp armored core games yeah <laughs> so it's just you know they they, they they've They've done a lot of these. It's really cool to see them um, revisit it, and hopefully, you know, we get more regular releases in the future. Obviously, the, like for for me, this game is really cool. Obviously, but it, to me, it's like it's like a new foundation of like the build off. Um, like hopefully so, it doesn't. I don't. I don't need a new Armored Core every year, but hopefully it doesn't yeah. take ten years. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even played this one yet, so I can't get too ahead of myself. Um, I think from Soft, I guess the next thing we would expect from them is Elden Ring DLC, right? So I think so. After yeah. that, who knows? Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. So I, I imagine Elden Ring DLC probably next year. Oh, safe guess. Yeah, I, I would say that seems reasonable. Two years after the origin, two years after Elden Ring. It also feels kind of nice because it feels like they started working at the dlc after the game came yeah, out and not like during like production we, i think all we have is a title and maybe like one image yeah. which doesn't really show anything so we yeah. don't really know much about it my experience with with from dlc is they're worth every penny they're they're almost like a 
No, it feels like a kind of like a side game for what you pay for. Yeah, the only, the only problem is is that you just don't know where to find the DLC to start. Oh, like, how do you start it? Li- yeah, yeah, you literally maybe needed the guy to find where is the new location found. You know, maybe just explore the yeah, Elden Ring uh, map until you find it. Yeah, like I remember, like Dark Souls One and like Bloodborne DLC is kind of obtuse to find. If I remember correctly, but but yeah, but uh, for a lot of people, the DLC for Souls games is kind of like the highlight because a lot of the best stuff is usually in the DLC for them. Mm-hmm. Um, like the old Hunters for Bloodborne is like one of the best DLCs for a game still for me ever. Um, a lot, a lot of great stuff in that. But yeah, so yeah, that's uh, Armor Core. We'll see if they decide to you know. Um, Re- well, uh, release a new one, you know, in the next ten years again, um, or or, or adi- release additional content for this one. It's a really really good game, but it's also not a game for everyone. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, if you're interested, uh, read what I have to say on the site. Um, and then there's obviously a lot of content creators making content for you if you want to see it and see if it's a game for you. Um, uh, it's probably it. it, it it's probably going to be like the biggest like I don't know. It's like the, I I can't see another like mecha game uh, in the foreseeable future have like this big of a splash on the mainstream audience uh, as this. Damon X Machina Two is kind of in a weird spot because it sort of felt like the first one is kind of like, well, they don't make Armored Core anymore, so I guess this is the next best thing. But now we do yeah. have Armored Core, so it's okay. like okay, well, there's. Also, Damon X Machina. I never played that one, so I'll be yeah, honest. I don't know what its what what its strengths are. Like maybe relative. To yeah, Damon X. So. Yeah, Damon X Machina is. is it, it, I still consider it a very different thing from Armored Core because right. in that game you actually make a character yeah. and you actually go around the hangar with a character and you actually get like face to face. Yeah, it seems like a, that seems that seems a little bit less old school, more cinematic, more character focused. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just my read on it. I've never played it, but. So do you think we'll get a Zone of the Enders free since um, like, no. Mechics might be popular again? Nah, the Kojima is no longer at uh, Konami, and also I don't think Konami really has the staff to work internally on New Zone of the Enders. I don't know if they'd ever revisit that well, IP outside of um, well, releasing is, it. The thing is, is that they seem to be on better terms with Kojima now, considering he's hasn't he like come out and commented on the Metal Gear Solid 3 remake and Basically, given it his blessing, I, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I haven't heard. I, I, remember I, I, all I heard was those, those new remasters are kind of more basic than people wanted, based on previews. Yeah, that's yeah. all I heard. Well, the reason I say like, okay, I don't think a new zone the Enders will happen, but Konami's slowly been starting to like release bigger games again. Like we have obviously the Silent Hill two remake coming out. You have the Metal Gear Solid 3 remake coming out, but the reason they're probably doing remakes first is because they've been out of gaming for so long that they, the easiest way to kind of like build a, like a, a pipeline up again is to make uh, remakes. And I know they did like the VR, like uh, slash HD remaster of Zone the Enders 2, so they, like depending on how how well that sold, I don't know if it sold particularly great or not. Yeah, that was a weird thing because it was like a partnership with Side Games, and because like it's basically Side Games just like kind of came with Konami's like we really like Zone of the Enders too. Can we make like, uh, 
a remake slash remaster. Hey, I don't they won't hey. work with each other again because no, they were trying funny. to sue each other for the. Oh, right. Yeah, because the Umamusa made stuff. Okay, if they were going to make Zone the Industry, that's obviously no longer on the table. Yeah. Jeez, that, that is such a weird relationship. So, yeah. Like, uh, it's like you stole our mechanics. It's like, what? You can play patent mechanics? Well, that's, that is what Nintendo was trying to do with Tears of the Kingdom, but, but damn. Where is Suikoden and Konami? That's true. Where, Will that I remaster mean, be any good? Well, well I mean, I feel like it's a foregone conclusion at this point that we'll see it at TGS again and yeah, see. Yeah, if it's it not at out. TGS, that'd be weird. Like, okay. Then it's definitely not this year, I feel like, if it doesn't show up. <laughs> so. Like, I think that's the last chance they have to say it. That's the, the, that's the last chance that they'll say it's either this year or if it's not there, then next year. Yeah. So. Um, let's see. That's Armored Core 6. I also um, have another thing. Uh, I've published a few things on the site. Um, so when I went to San Francisco to go visit Side Games, um, I learned, you know, the, the, they basically showed off like all the new stuff that they showed off in Gamescom opening the night live for Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, including the new trailer. So, um, you know, we saw the new trailer for Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. They are showing off more of the game footage, showing more of the battles that you can like play a little bit of proto bahamut so i'm sure you know some people will compare it to ff16 a little bit um but then you know most importantly that they showed the the release date of this game it's coming out uh february 1 2024 uh with a physical and digital release simultaneously um this was really weird that um this came this news came out late so we we learned at the briefing there that they were going to partner with Play On in Europe to release the, the physical and version. Let me just say, I don't think they've said that publicly yet, that Play On is doing physical in Europe. I think, I think, no, I think no, 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 there, there's a flyer that said they're doing it. Oh, yeah, less okay. fun. Well, Play On's press release site doesn't say anything, so they don't want to announce it or something for some reason. I don't know. Unless, unless it's some other different NDA or something. But I have this flyer okay. that says that they're doing the European oh, okay. uh, distribution. Yeah, I think it's on their Twitter. Too I was waiting something. for an announcement from Play On. I don't think Play On sent out a press release, but Exceed Games did. Yeah, they, they, this, one, this, one, this one they didn't know. Yeah, this one they, they didn't even tell us. Like we were under the impression that like they were publishing it themselves, and then in uh, North America, and they didn't say anything different <laughs> about that. And then it came out, you know, very late that like, hey, uh, they're partnering with Exceed uh, again to, for the release of Relink, at least for the physical release. Wasn't there something really weird with the way that Grand Blue Versus was handled where basically, yes. oh, right, it was like it was out in Japan a month early, but it had all the English like subtitles and even dub or something yeah, like that? Yeah, and, and also they, they, they didn't let uh, that, I don't know if they informed the European that there was uh, a PC uh, version. Yeah, yeah, Exceed and Marvelous Europe. Uh, they didn't, I don't think they informed that, that there was a PC version and that came out before the physical console release that was being distributed by them too. So, that was a really weird um, thing. It, it, was, it was one of those things like, I don't know if they're going to partner again, but I guess they are, for at least in North America. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, there will be a physical release of that. The um, Deluxe and Collector's Editions uh, of it. The Collector's has like a proto Bahamut statue and like a metal charm and all that stuff. And then, um, <clears throat> you know, after that, I was um, for the our session, I was the first to interview them. So that full interview um, is up on the site. Uh, in it, um, 
they kind of clarified a lot of like gameplay details in it that people have been wanting to know like how do you exactly recruit recruit new characters and uh, like because they they on the in the anime expo 2023 presentation they gave they're like oh yeah you can go um recruit whoever you want whenever you want and then people are like is this like a non-linear type of game where you can like kind of like explore wherever you want like in a certain order like like jedi fallen order for example and then so i wanted to like you know clarify how that was i'm um, gonna work and then they're like oh no it's like a lot more simple like as you progress to the main game we'll give you items that like, you can exchange for like whoever playable character you want like, i guess like in an in-game shop or something so I imagine it's like you get your player coin or whatever it is, and then you yeah, yeah. like which character do you want to buy? And then Chow is like, "Give me Namaya." Mm-hmm. So. That's yeah, that's the hundred percent. That's Chow's, Chow's favorite, first right? choice. Okay, uh, my yeah. favorite character is kind of weird. I, I I like Europa the most. Okay, right, Chow, we're uh, talking about Relink, like like in Relink, who you're gonna unlock first? Yeah, she's not gonna be there. There's no way. So it's I was saying you you would get Narmaya. Is that her name first? Is that right? Yeah, I would, I would definitely get her first. <laughs> she's always been a fan favorite. Like, yeah, yeah, they usually had a nickname for her. But yeah, I would definitely get her first. Now, the thing about this game that I'm kind of most curious about is that we know it has two modes. And this isn't new information. There's a story mode, and then there's like sort of the mission-based team up with three other people or AI and go mm-hmm. like you do like it's almost like a Monster Hunter hunt where you go out, fight enemies and a boss, and then come back with your reward. It's not like Monster Hunter in terms of, like, gearing and stuff, but it's it seems to have that sort of, like, structure to it where you're kind of going on these little dispatches. I'm just kind of curious about, like, the balance of that. Like, how much, like, how long is the story mode itself? And, like, how much of the game is focused on this sort of mission-based uh, kind of co-op Yeah, they, they keep, like, they, so, they kept emphasizing there's, like, over 100 quests. Like, yeah. so over 100 others. So. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like they, they, they seem to like probably guesstimate around like around, uh, like I'm not sure. They, they, I hear 50 hours being thrown around oh, for the story. Sure exactly. Oh, okay. Uh, I was sort yeah, of, not... I was sort of worried. And this would probably be a disappointment to many. I would assume if the story is like a 10 hour thing. Yeah, and I then don't think it's and then that. there's like a hundred hours of mission stuff. You know, I think it would definitely be longer than that. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it would convert. be. I was just saying, like, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious how long the story would be. Like, is it like a fully fledged, you know, JRPG? I don't know. Yeah. Didn't they um, like said in an interview before a long time ago that they said that they're going to make the story also playable in the mobile game too? They're going to convert I don't it. Know. Did they? Did <laughs> they say in the preview event or in any of the interviews how long they expect the game to be? I, I think they did decide. I, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they, they answered that question for other I'm sure outlets. Someone had to ask it, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I usually, I'm not one to ask for gameplay time because I never trust developers <laughs> giving their guesstimates for gameplay time. It's also very subjective on how their approach to the game. Like all my friends that I talked to that played Trails of Cold Steel Four, they said they beat it in 60 hours. I'm stuck here doing 150 hours for some stupid reason. So I don't know what experience they went through. They either fast forward the text or they don't give a fuck about the NPCs or something. According to WCCF Tech, it says 25 hours of story, up to 100 hours of content. So, yeah, I think there's also like the also there's also another outlet that mentioned like there's like also side episodes for characters that's like different from like the other stuff. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the curious thing though. I was curious about this sort of balance. So we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I also asked about you know how multiplayer progression works because I know people who want to play with their friends like 
is it going to be one of those weird things where like you get done the only the host gets progression if you all take on the same oh, yeah. quest? So, that's that's always know, a that's... tricky thing with these multiplayer components. Yeah, so, but you know they were very upfront and say no, like you'll get completion bonus if everyone's taking on the same quest at the same time. You guys will all progress together. If it's like if it's like one of those like imbalanced things where like you're um, a farther on player is like has like a more a later game quest, like their friends can still join them. But they had like the but obviously the the completion progress won't count for the other people who are way back. But they'll still get rewards from the mission, you know. So you can still play together. Yeah. It seems so that's cool. Um, I'm going to mention that this is as far as RPGs go. This is actually the very first release date we've gotten for a game next year. So we have a. We, we, I mean, I'm the person who puts together all these release these yeah. release date lists, and I hope you readers uh, use those because they're useful, and I spend a lot of time on them. Yeah, but, uh, this, this is the very it. first uh, release date we have. We, there's right now there aren't any RPGs that released in January that we know of. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of time left before then, and I think like Tekken is got a January release, but that's not for us. Um, but not if it has a world tour mode. <laughs> yeah, the Tekken world tour. Yeah, man, I, I'm still getting like PTSD flashbacks, like the Xbox 360 avatar lobby thing that they showed off at opening night live. Oh, that was wild. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? That was crazy. But there is also another RPG that got a release date, which we'll <laughs> talk about shortly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and obviously, like, it's it's kind of those weird things in this interview that, like, it, like, re- like I was thinking just about, like, the modern state of gaming, so I just had to ask, is this a games-as-a-service game? Just, like, straight up, is yeah. this going to have dailies, weeklies, a battle pass, and they're like, and will that require an internet connection to play? And they're like, no, it's not a live-service game. You can play it offline. It won't have a battle pass. You know, and there's nothing like, there's not like a, a daily thing that you have to like, you have to go boot up the game and like do this or you'll fall behind. Yeah. So it is one of those that's things good. that's like, you know, get cl- getting clarification on that is good. Yeah. Yeah, I was worried that they were going to make a live service game after seeing like success of, I don't know, like Engine or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that is some good news. No, uh, this game is interesting in that it's been in development for like, seven years it feels like it's been a long time they, they they mentioned that like yeah this is like technically still our first developed like console title like even though shadow though shadow vs switch game came out like this game was in development before that so this still you know they considered their first like first like game because it was the first one in development i don't know like i heard rumors of someone that i don't know they they want to break off the platinum contract because they found it was too expensive and the quality wasn't up to their par. I, so. I, I think that they, they they answered that in some of them, and then there's like you know the the contractual like you know basically platinum was like too busy to keep on working with them because they had other projects, and then like and then Kaji, the director of this game, is from platinum, yeah. So like he he stayed on, you know, and that's the platinum legacy in this game is through Kaji, the director. So like it so it seems like that most of that thing has been turned over. Like they didn't break off like a bad. Bad terms. Like, yeah, they didn't break on bad terms. It's like it was m- primarily because Platinum couldn't like sustain like a extended development period for one project because they had other projects to get to. You know, Bayonetta three, um, Babylon's Fall. Um, you know, um, there there are other upcoming projects like that. Um, what was it like an Ultraman game or whatever? Project um, GG, I think. Yeah, yeah, what a name, Project GG. They, they, they had that small shmup that they did. Uh, you know, so they, they had... You know, it's like, Astral Chain is somewhere in there. 
Yeah, if you think of, if you just think about like the development period of like when Grand Blue Relink first started and Platinum's involvement, and then all the other Platinum games that came out in that time frame between the the game, this game's initial announcement and development to now, like there's been like at least like four Platinum projects that came out. So I'm willing to buy that reason that like yeah they couldn't stay on for and then that's not even counting like the the re-release of like Wonderful 101, you know? Yeah. So you know, Platinum is always very much like a, a studio that likes likes to kind of like have pretty distinct development periods of and like just pushing stuff out. You know, like they 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 uh, they can't they can't do like they can't be in development in it for a game for ten years and be bound to that. I, I feel like that's just not the way the studio is run and their development philosophy. So you know, so. Um, yeah, so that, that was pretty much the, the Grand Blue stuff. I also wrote up, you know, some hands-on impressions of, like, other characters that uh, James didn't get to uh, play at Anime Expo, and they played all pretty differently, and it's, it's a pretty fun game to, like, um, play overall. It's very responsive. Um, it's it's a very impressive that this is kind of, like, their first, like, go at it with the Psy Games Osaka development studio with a full-on console game, and it feels very polished. Um you know, it, it controls very nicely, so I think a lot of people will have fun uh, once they get their hands on it, especially playing with friends. And, and I know a lot together. of people who are in the same boat I am, which is, mm-hmm. I don't care about the mobile game, but I'm interested in this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be the sort of game, I believe in terms of like, I know some people are like, how do, where does this take place in the story? And it, it doesn't really take place in the story. It's kind of like its own adaptation of the Grand Blue story. You know, it's 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 a separate thing, so it's meant to be approachable. And yeah. Just a thing. Just buy the console version, regardless if you're going to play on PC, because those codes that you get from the console version they're worth more than the game itself if you sell it to people. <laughs> buy the console <laughs> version, sell the code, and make up you make up your stuff. Yeah, you'll get the game for free. <laughs> if you play on PC, if you sell the code that you get. Yeah, from the if, console you, if, version. You, if you buy this game and you don't play the mobile game, sell the codes. So. <laughs> Chow. Why would don't listen to the Chow people? Need to... I, I'm serious. <laughs> I have a Chow. friend that says I refuse to buy any games on a console. It's like, but I want the code. I'll give someone fifty dollars for that, and they'll be like, "Well, you get your game for free if you sell the code because the PC version doesn't come with codes." Chow's like, the, here's the he's the he's the get rich quick man that's, here. He's like, here, that's check, the only reason this. to buy this game. I hear. <laughs> Yeah, just like just like Grand Blue Fantasy versus, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll buy it for the code because there's one item that you get in that game, which will save you about 500 hours of grinding. So I'll, I'll take that. You buy the you buy the code. Not you, worth get, it. you buy the code and you get a free game with it. So yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'll probably play uh, this, even though I don't know anything about Grand Blue. I'll I'll play this and not worry about any mobile game codes about that. I'll play with you guys. I mean, this is our Monster Hunter experience, just with <laughs> Grand Blue reskins, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be getting on PC without the code, so, you know. Do they mention about crossplay, or no? no? I haven't heard anything, okay. yeah. Probably not. To be on the safe side, probably not. You just assume the worst, hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's that's... Pretty much the our time, you know, with games this week. Pretty much uh, my stuff, and then yeah, I'm, I'm still playing. I'm still playing yeah. Baldur's Gate three. It's I'm, it's a very enjoyable game. I'm liking it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of taking my time with it. 
Um, yeah. James said he's playing Starfield, which I'm interested in also. We'll talk about that next week, probably. So, then, is it next Charles week or the week, week after? I, th- I think it's next week because they, cause there's early there's access starts on September access. 1st. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a good chance I probably won't be here next week because I'll be at PAX West. Oh, right. That's that's next weekend. Yep. I, uh, I just saw Digital Foundry's uh, stuff for Immortals of Abium go up, and that reminded me, oh, yeah, I did play a bit of that. <laughs> oh, yeah? You want, you want to talk about a little bit of uh, Immortals? Uh, not particularly. <laughs> yeah, but I heard it's like it's basically uh, it's an FPS with wizard powers, but it still feels like an FPS, even though you have cool wizard powers. I was reading, yeah. actually, some of the reviews for this game. It seems like people... Uh, if anything, are pretty positive on like the game, the moment-to-moment gameplay. They think is pretty good, but there's still some other issues in terms of quirks here and there, and you and UI and quality of life and whatnot. Nobody yeah. seems to care for the story a lot, and a lot of people seem to hate the main character for some reason. Yeah, like, a lot it, of people the, that that came up more than once. Like, wow, they. I feel a little bit because then because then did the main protagonist dude like uh, get up on stage at a recent gaming event to like to present the game and he was very excited about it like the lead actor <laughs> I, I genuinely feel bad for the studio because like the game came out uh, it has not even hit more than like seven hundred peak concurrent on Steam for players and oh, wow. um, it. Uh... it and I doubt it's doing much better on console. I don't know if it's broke a hundred thousand sold. <laughs> mm. Also, uh, the reason I brought up the Digital Foundry stuff is uh, fun fact: this game has an internal resolution uh, on Series S that's uh, comparable to handheld mode resolutions for Xenoblade Two. That's rough. Holy shit! So what's that? Five hundred P. Four thirty six P. Yeah. Yeah, I heard there's like some wonky upscaling stuff with this game too. That's just a lot of ghosting issues as well. So yeah, it's uh, so it seems to be not in a great spot. Is this a seventy dollars game? Yes. Wow. So, I was thinking like oh. this might this feels like the type of game you might like. This might be the type of game you play for like twenty dollars in a bargain bin or something. Not seventy. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be fast tracked to Game Pass because they want to recoup their costs somehow, and it's clear, like off the early uh, sales data, that it is just not going to sell at seventy. That's the. What I personally don't mind playing a game like this, you know, that I kind of expect to be sort of mid. You know, like beat it in a weekend or whatever. Like, you know, just maybe there's some. This is a game that I would rent for like Hollywood for Hollywood video and yeah, blockbuster. Yeah, but not, not yeah. for. I would rent this. I guess. No, I guess on PC there is a sixty dollars version. So, but still, I don't know if I would want to pay sixty dollars. But anyways, yeah, this is one of those yeah, games yeah. that we were sort of wondering: should we cover this? Is it RPG enough? We never really did. But to be clear, um, Alex did say the reason I've been playing it is I am going through it. Oh, yeah. Because are you gonna yeah. review it? They sent us the launch code, so I'll get to it. Oh, but... Okay, sure. <laughs> Why not? Immortals. I, um, how many, okay. I wonder how many people listening right now have any idea what this game is. Because I feel like, I feel like it's kind of been a running joke. Whenever that, whenever this game comes up in chat rooms, I'm in. People are like, "What is that game? I've never heard of it." Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I I remember I read a headline. I forgot where, but like the marketing campaign for this game was like deliberately. Like in like uh meant to be short because they wanted to strike while the iron is hot when they're 
doing this short marketing campaign. That's well, like not sure if that uh, worked. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's only know. got three hundred reviews on Steam. That's not a lot for a big publisher game. Yeah, it's like I I, I really don't want to be mean, but there's no way this game isn't like the biggest bomb of this year. Gollum. Well, how many reviews does Gollum have? I don't know. Actually, I'm just thinking of like the bigger bomb. Uh, <laughs> I mean, also, also like, three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I, because I'm thinking of like that 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 that, was, that bombed enough for the studio to get shut down. Well, shortly after, I this guess is it a off. totally new game. This is like Immortals is like a triple A Unreal Engine five title, so you gotta imagine that the budget wasn't exactly cheap. Like I'm thinking of like other games like had their studios closed down after it this year, like Forspoken. I mean, um, just another... as, just as one random example, like I played my Asthma Chronicles earlier this year. That has like 800 reviews. Now that's you know a couple months older, but still, like that's Immortal shouldn't be on that sort of scale if it's from a big publisher. But anyways, I might play it like literally years down the line if I can get it for cheap. If it's like 10 to 15 bucks, I'll be curious yeah. enough. Because yeah. I, I I I like to play these sorts of just like. I play shooter yeah. campaigns just, you know, just to play it once. I, yeah, I will say, I, I haven't tried it on my laptop yet, but on my desktop at least, which I'd fucking hope so, it runs pretty well. But, again, I, I'd fucking hope so. It's a 4090. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's a big ask. Uh, okay, moving on, we have uh, a lot of news, a lot of Gamescom. Um we went over the release date for Grand Blue Fantasy Relink once again, February 1, 2024. And just to be clear, we have three new articles on the site, all that Josh put up, all that we talked about. One is his Armored Core 6 review. It's not a scored review. We just sort of felt maybe we shouldn't score it because it's not really an RPG, but Josh put that up. Yeah. And then Josh also put up his Grand Blue Fantasy Relink interview as well as his Grand Blue Fantasy Relink like preview like his hands-on impressions so if you're interested in grand blue check those out a lot of information yeah. um and then for people who are like yay uh big new rpg uh the on february one um and then the, the very next day uh the, the following following this news that on release release date atlas uh put out a new trailer for persona 3 reload the remake to Persona 3, which confirmed a February 2, 2024 release date. Um, and, and the main thing that uh, they showcased in this new trailer uh, was the Persona 3 characters have like tactical t- gear when uh, uh, handling uh, Tartarus, when they go to Tartarus. There's some new uh, music for the game new as battle. well. New battle music. Battle themes, yep. It's, uh, it, it looks really nice. It's really shaping up. Um, what do you guys think about this new trailer? If you guys uh, watched it, no. I mean, okay. I don't know. Like, first of all, I was sort of surprised hearing last time that apparently this game has been in development for like four years. I kind of mm-hmm. figured it would have been like a quicker turnaround than that. Um, kind of, you know, just using new art assets and sort of maybe a Persona Five structure or whatever. But I'm sort of wondering how big this game is. I mean, Persona Three. I actually played through the portable version recently. It's kind of funny how Persona 3 actually feels kind of short compared to 5 and or 4 and 5 even though it's not like a short RPG. It's just kind yeah, of relative. Yeah. It feels like you can be Persona 3 in like 40 hours. 
Um, I have a very long playtime with it. I remember I took like ninety hours. Well, I guess I guess the portable there. version is also shorter, I think, than the like FES version. Um, but anyways, I don't know. I uh, I'll, I will play this, but I kind of feel like I'm still a little bit disappointed that it's not like the ultimate remake that people were hoping for. Like has all the epilogue uh, female MC. Pr- pr- mm. uh, you know, I think losing the female MC is the only thing I, I am kind of saddened about, but I don't really care for the answer. I feel like, oh, I never get to play that. I'm so hyped to play that. It's like, well, I, I feel I actually like the answer, but I wouldn't mind if they would have tweaked it, like included it with maybe some balance tweaks or whatever to make it maybe a little bit, you know, easier or whatever. But I don't know. Like, do I need to play through Persona 3 again with like better graphics? Sure. But I don't know if that's like incredibly interesting to me. I know there's a couple of tweaks. Like, for example, I think someone mentioned that there is a baton pass mechanic. Um, there is no more fatigue, which is not really surprising because it felt like every subsequent re-release of Persona 3 made fatigue less and less, like, yeah. of a less and less friction there. So the fact that they just removed it entirely kinda, is fine. I, I think that's what like kind of drags out the playtime in the original because it kind of prevents you from grinding in dungeon. So you're like forced to like try to make sure you're the best of your time there. <laughs> there's a system just to like screw you over so I don't know like free is like a very min-max game if you try to like max all the social links which has gotten easier to do as as the series went on like you could probably do Persona 5 and get all the social links max without guide versus yeah, this one especially royal so I, I you know I'll play it and I think it looks cool I think the new English voices are sound pretty good you know they're obviously different than my what I'm used to but and obviously, I, I, yeah, obviously, I, I this is dual counts. audio for the first time. Yeah. Well, I guess the uh, the re-release of the Persona Three on PC and whatnot is dual audio, but um, but yeah, I'll play it. I just don't know if I'm like super stoked for it. I, I think I'll get more excited for it um, when the the release date is close it, it, because there's some things that like bum me out. Uh, like besides just like you know the missing content was like on top of all this, the standard price for this is seventy dollars. Yeah. So. You know, uh, that's kinda... I, I, my hype has died down buying this game because I can't get my Aegis figure edition. Oh, you didn't? They did announce a oh, special well. edition with Aegis. Um, well, they announced it, but it's just like in Canada, it's all sold out everywhere. It's yeah. like, it's I, like I, I, I don't know if it's just me, but like they, they also announced that like this game, you know, seventy dollar game. It's also it's also a remake of an old game. It's also getting DLC. It's oh, like you know, yeah. like it's it's, it's, it's like sucks. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's like their usual, like you know, you know, like Persona Five cautious or whatever else cautious. But that they Some also didn't announce, like, yeah, they also didn't announce, like, you know, what else might be DLC. So, like, you know, it might be like, uh, here, here's my kind of like big brain uh, th- thinking. But like, I feel like if they're gonna have something substantial with the DLC to like justify the price, I think they're gonna have like. Some sort of like female MC mini episode story episode as DLC, that kind of, as like almost like as a half make good, you know. Mm-hmm. But that that's that that's that's that's, that's, that, that's me. Expect. That's me speculating. It's not you know obviously nothing's confirmed. But for me, like I feel like if they really wanted to like get people's money for the DLC, I'd be like they're gonna maybe do that or something similar to that. We'll see. You know. I don't know, my experience with this, it's more like, I just want to play for the new voice, or the new English voices, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I have kind of mixed and 
downs, up and downs with the old voice. I mean, there are some voices that I feel it's unbeatable in the old the original English cast. But mm-hmm. I, I would love to hear this new take for it. Uh, yeah. I'm totally up for the new takes on it. I mean, I like the old cast, but I'm totally fine, you know, getting a recast. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up. Yeah, like if it's a, if it's a remake of a of a game, I'm so, like I'm not I'm not uh, beholden to like oh everything has to stay the same. Because I'm not upset every time they recast game. James Bond. You know, like yeah, <laughs> like if it's, if it's yeah, if it's a remake for a game, like feel free to like switch it up. Like I always think about like Resident Evil Four for this year. It's like it's a very different game from the old game. You know, when you play them side by side. I guess that's maybe one reason why I'm not super excited for this is that I don't know how different it's going to feel from the original. Like yeah. when I think of like Final Fantasy, well, when I think of Final Fantasy Seven remake or Resident Evil Four remake, they feel like quite different. And I don't know. It's like yeah. this game. How different is it going to be? I don't know. Well, it's not uh, going to be the same thing, but the thing is, I didn't want like a one-on-one remake, if if you get what I'm saying, because you'll be playing the same game with nicer graphics. It's like, I don't care about graphics, really. I just want something different. Like, are the social links going to be the same, and, you know, the, like just the overall structure of the game is the same? Obviously, mm-hmm. the combat system's going to have some tweaks to it, and it's going to look nicer and probably be easier, but... Sorry, I don't mean to sound so disappointed. I just kind of like... You know, I'll play it, it, but it just—I've already played Persona Three more than once, so it's like, okay, I'll play play it again. Sure. Yeah, I'm thinking like I played the original, I played Fess, played Portable two times because I did both male and female. So yeah, I already played Persona Three quite a bit in my lifetime too. I mean, it's my favorite of modern Persona. I mean, obviously it's dated because not many people like the Tataris. I guess I am curious about how if Tartarus is going to have any sort of like design to it in terms of its structure. Um, I, I love how I love, I love how Chow pronounces Tartarus because it made me think of tartar sauce. I like thinking oh, tartar fish sounds so good. Uh, I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Like, I, I, I like I said, I think the biggest bummer for me is the seventy dollar standard price tag. It just feels, uh, feels weird. Uh, no, I'm, I wouldn't be complaining about prices nowadays. Everything has gone up. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes, yeah. And, you know, in, the, in this new trade they showed, you know, the updated designs of Shinjiro, Koromaru. Um, Redone the kid? cinematic scenes. Oh, what, what, was, what was the kid's name of the sphere? I already forgot. Uh, Ken. 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 Hey, he's like the most broken character in the fighting game. You can't remember him? I thought he will brief. You now, one thing, this here. is not new information, but one thing they did add was um, the male characters, Not as long as you're not talking about the female route, the male characters didn't have social links in the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I almost forgot. Like, oh yeah, they don't. <laughs> um, only Akihiro and Ken do for the female route, and at least in terms of romances. And uh, I hope I'm not forgetting something here, but... They basically are adding events for some of the male characters to try to flesh them out a little bit more, which I know some people felt I've seen some kind of hesitation towards that, but I kind of think it's a good idea in concept anyway. We'll see about how they execute it because the the original game especially was very well focused on you are a male character. You want to talk and chat with all the female characters, right? So like it was very much highly focused on like the dating you know, element of that, and like you don't want to talk to the male characters, right? They're who cares? So it's kind of sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I think Junpei is an interesting character. He's um, fine. Um, I, I, I like his I like his plot with the what is, what are the antagonists? Uh, it helps him a lot. Uh, 
I think yeah, that's interesting. But they're they're gonna give the they are gonna give the male characters like new events to try to like flesh them out a little bit more, which I think honestly that's probably one of the more interesting things is how can you take these characters and maybe make them more compelling. Uh, my kind of long held belief was that as far as character writing goes, I like Persona Four as like a group, but individually i kind of feel like each persona 4 character individually is a little bit weaker than like persona 3 even though I, persona- yeah I, 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 I yeah yeah i agree i feel i feel like persona 4 is, is very much a segmented game where like after you're done with a character's arc in persona 4 they forget about that character yeah so i i always always put it that like persona 4 is a good ensemble cast maybe better than persona 3 but persona 3 i kind of felt like each individual character was a little bit stronger and if they can kind of just round that out a little bit more with some of the male characters you know i'm up for it i'll, I'll see I'm, i i have an open mind yeah all right well you know whatever you choose relink or persona 3 reload uh next year you're in for a big ass rpg at the beginning of the year either way so godspeed Oh, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, February is like there's no more RPG releases in February because you're you're good at the first two days. Um, next we have uh, a new trailer for an, a new uh, RPG coming to PlayStation Five, PlayStation Four, mobile devices, and PC. This is uh, Project Mugen, and this is coming from uh, NetEase and uh, publisher NetEase and uh, n- developer Naked Rain. Um, this is this is almost kind of like their NetEase's games' like response to um, Mihoyo's uh, Zenless Zone Zero. Almost, this looks like like an open world um, urban fantasy uh, sort of game. Uh, th- you know, they're showing teasers and gifs before officially unveiling it uh, later in Gamescom, and it is it's one hell of a trailer. It's if you haven't seen this trailer yet, uh, definitely do. It's it's definitely an eye catcher. It is it is very ec- movement exploration focused. Like there's a point in the trailer where like you're kind of swinging the streets, like like kind of like Spider Man. Plenty of Spider Man uh, comparisons. Yeah, and then and then there's like you can also like ride a bicycle, ride vehicles, um, explore the explore the the environment in different ways, not just kind of like web sling. You can like call wall climb, wall run, um, ride different objects to move around, and the uh, the combat is very much. Like what you expect from like um, a, a Mihoyo action game, or like you're switching not between Mihoyo though. So I'll yeah, what they have in store. Yeah, I mean, like the the more of the gameplay footage shows, like you switching between characters, but they're like very, it's very you know as you very very flashy, very um, different sorts of weapons that you know you see like a character for example has like dual yo-yos that like like kind of like inflate into like windmills in the middle of combat. Um, it's a what did uh, Adam? You 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 first saw this. What was what did you think of it? I know like you're not into like mobile games, but just like in terms of like what you saw in the trailer. It's very. It clearly looks high. It looks high budget in terms of a lot of resources going to this game. Um, it's a mix between a Chinese studio and a Montreal studio, and mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine. Montreal is, I believe, where a lot of ubisoft is so a friend of mine is wondering like there's probably a lot of like ex ubisoft people on this or at least mm. my point is montreal has a pretty strong game development scene so there's a probably a good number of veteran game developers on this game both from montreal and uh some chinese studio i forget where exactly which city um 
this got case. me thinking. There's that was it, there's a Neptunia game that I reviewed once before. It was done by a Canadian studio, and I think they were stationed in Montreal as well. Um, anyways, the trailer is very flashy. If you like the look of those sort of cel-shaded anime-style games, this game is going to look like it's right up your alley, very flashy. Um, it's, it is a free-to-play game, so it will probably have gotcha elements. We don't have any idea how they work yet, but it seems like it's going to be in that vein. Uh, if you like Genshin Impact and you like Honkai Star Rail in terms of like their aesthetic, obviously I know those games have different gameplay styles. This game probably should be on your radar. Now... I know there's a lot of questions in terms of structure, updates, longevity that we don't know anything about. But at least in terms of its presentation, it looks top-notch. Oh, what other games did NetEase used to? Did they do that Diablo Immoral thing? Or is it... Or I oh, NetEase? Well, I'm actually looking at... Uh... NetEase publishes a lot of stuff. Like, like I, don't, they're, I they're, think they're... this studio is new. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, so kind of a slight aside... A very useful website is www.gamedevmap.com, and it, you can actually just type in any city, and it'll tell you like what game developers are in that city. So I was just oh, looking up oh. like what's in Montreal. There's uh, Idos, Idos Montreal. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, one second here. Yeah, there's quite a lot. Uh, yeah, Ubisoft Montreal, and a bunch of other smaller ones. There's a Warner Brothers Montreal. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot in Montreal. So my friend, when I was, when we were talking about this story, he's, basically his point was there's a lot of game developers in Montreal. So there's probably some veteran people working on this game that um, are probably helping it being you know as good as can as, as it can be. Yeah, and NetEase also has a studio in Montreal, of course. Um, I don't know how new that is or not. And there's a lot of smaller ones I'm not as familiar with. Uh, this 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 website has Square Enix Montreal here also, but I think they were shut down. Um, oh, so there's a lot. So I, I'm guessing that's part of the first second group or first. No, book. Square Enix Montreal was, I believe, mobile stuff mostly. I'm not oh, sure. but yeah, I, I, I'm actually interested in this game. I'm definitely way more hyped for this game than uh, was it the Zen Zero thing from Hoyoverse because I thought that game looked dated and kind of boring with the mm. way the trailer was presented to me. It looked like a PS2 game that's yeah. cel-shaded to me. And it's like a step up to you for that from that? Yes, uh, a huge step up. The only thing I worry about is the monetization. Every time when you play a mobile game, I have to look at the rates and how mm-hmm. fast I get stuff and is it worth my time? You know, if, if the game is not generous at all and it treats me like trash, it has to give me some kind of incentive to play the game. I want to give this game props. I love that Adam brought this up to me um, when he showed it off in staff and it was being announced was uh their their little game icon for this game is like horrible it's like one of like the the main characters doing like a thinking emoji but very smugly it is so adorable and it is so funny every time i see it i laugh it is <laughs> it's so stupid and dumb i love it it looks like a shit post for the game which is i respect that i respect that energy but yeah, that's uh, that is a project Mugen. That is, there's no official title for it right now. They just barely revealed it. We don't know how far off it is. I was actually um, just about. Try- I was trying to go to the official website to get the character names, but the official website doesn't seem to be loading for me right now. Because mm-hmm. we we, ha- we got a few of the character names. I forget the bunny girl, the girl with the bunny ears. I forget her name. We have a few of the names, but I don't think it said anything else about them other than what you can see in the trailer. But yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's Project Ugin. Uh, next up, uh, we have some really, really good news for Xbox players. Um, uh, Zwen Vink, uh, the founder and CEO of Larian Studios, has officially confirmed that Baldur's Gate 3 is coming to the Xbox Series X and S uh, sometime later this year. Uh, he uh, unveiled this news in a tweet uh, that he met with the head of Xbox, uh, Phil Spencer, to find a solution uh, to get the latest uh, you know, Baldur's Gate 3 uh, on Xbox because one of the main hangups that they were talking about with Xbox earlier this year um, was they're trying to make a split screen co op work because uh, 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 implementing that was was difficult on, the on series Xbox S. Series S. Yeah, yeah S. So well, their solution was the, the, the was the Series S version of Baldur's Gate three will not have split screen co op. Uh, the Series X version uh, will. Uh, both versions, along with the Steam version, will support cross save progression uh, on them. And yeah, so. Re- really great news for Xbox players that have been wanting to uh, play this game and were bummed out that it wasn't officially announced up until now. Uh, because, you know, Larian Studios has been very upfront saying that, that, like earlier this year, that they were working on the Xbox version, but they didn't want to officially announce it until they were 100% sure that they were going to release it. Now, and... the Xbox Twitter account actually, afterwards, they have a tweet saying, to answer some questions we're getting, We'll continue to work with Larian to explore the addition of split screen on Series S post launch. Mm. So there's a chance that it'll come later. They won't have it at launch for sure, but it's kind of they're they're basically what Xbox is saying is we'll look into it more and maybe eventually it'll get some sort of split screen co op support. But you yeah. know that's kind of a hypothetical at this point. Yeah, I mean like it's it's a pretty expansive, very uh, you know big. In a game to like uh, kind of get that uh, stuff working, um, so you know, best of luck on that. It's it's a monumental, gigantic task uh, to to get that, but it's it's still cool either way that you know that uh, Xbox Series players will be able to play this on their console. It's one hell of a game, you know. You, mm-hmm. You've heard about it enough, unlike how good it is. So you know, that's that's cool that um, they were they announced it. So. So everyone gets to have one except Switch uh, for Baldur's Gate 3 and go get a Steam Deck or something. Well, tell them to come give us a Switch 2. Even then, this do you is, think a Switch is, 2 would run it? This is an aside, but three years ago when they announced, or was it, how many years ago did they announced this? Five years ago? This is 2020. I think it came out, yeah. Anyways, I think 2020 is when they announced it. Sven was so excited to get Baldur's Gate 3 on Stadia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. in concept, it sort of made sense. Like, if you didn't have a console or a gaming PC, you just go to a browser, go to Stadia. If you have an account, you could play a co-op campaign with anyone else. Mm-hmm. But that never happened. Rip Stadia. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine this game running on Stadia, though, if it's still alive? Like, how the fuck that would look like? I don't know. It, it feels like it's, it feels so daunting for this kind of game. It's uh, would have been interesting, but you know, I never had a stadium before. Is it as garbage as people make it out to be? I yeah. I feel like your only issue would be playing like a fast paced action game. But I think I think I think the, I think the promise of Stadia was way better than the execution of Stadia. Where like 
it, it, like theoretically, you could see the value of Stadia, you know, for people who didn't want to own machines and just vote what was okay with cloud gaming, right? I mean, but, it's not like a great idea on paper, you know, but... Okay. But, you know, it's... Look, Stadia went the way of Stadia, so... Let sleeping dogs lie, I guess. On that end. Um, oh, I, see. I was actually looking into this. I totally forgot about this. This makes it even right. funnier. I'm sorry. In, two, in June 2019, there was a Google Stadia Connect stream, and that's when Baldur's Gate 3 was officially announced. It was officially revealed as a Google oh. Stadia game first. Fuck, that's... And then that's crazy. Like it was that was that was when we first saw it. It was a Google Stadia game, and then they said it's coming to consoles and PC. Also, sorry, that's that's amusing to me. That's, I did, I totally forgot that was like announced for Stadia first. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I knew it was announced for Stadia, but I kind of forgot. Uh, I'm looking at our news post from June 2019. That's when they they sort of teased it beforehand, but that was the official announcement. So, oh, I wonder how much Google paid for that exclusive announcement. Oh, next up, uh, we have a, a new game from the developers of Star Renegades. This comes from Massive Damage. They announced Farah the Sundered Tribes. Um, this is a big genre shift on what they uh, worked from previously on Star Renegades, which is more like a based RPG. This is now, this is uh, Farah is more of like a monster hunter type of action RPG. Um, it looks, I don't know, it, it looks I'm pretty a cool. Little, it, I'm a little bit disappointed in this announcement just because I felt like Star Renegades had such a unique style to it mm-hmm. with its pixel art, its All sound. Right. Uh, I think it even won our best looking game that year because it, well, it, it was, it had such a great art style and pixel art style to it. And this game is not 2D at all. It kind of goes to like a cartoony 3D you know, it looks like Fortnite. Just say it looks yeah, like Fortnite. Yeah, Fortnite, Fortnite <laughs> Monster Hunter. And I'm just kind of like, nah, I don't know. I kind of wish it would have stayed whatever their new project was. It was more like retro aesthetic 2D art. Only modern, of course. But Yeah, can you imagine they had like the Star Renegades style with like Monster Hunter type <laughs> game? That'd be crazy. I just like pixel art, okay? But mm-hmm. I probably won't play this. I mean, sorry. I played Star Renegades. I think I reviewed it. It was pretty good. I liked it. It was a roguelike turn-based RPG. This one I probably won't play. Sorry. This kind of looks like oh, what was that? What's that free-to-play monster to game before World came out? James. Dot. Uh, yes, that's that's what it reminds me of. Um, but there's the but there's like a certain like like base builder, not base builder yeah, aspect of it. A village builder, something like, like that. almost development village development aspect of this game. Interesting. So um. I guess yeah, I should uh, I should mention just this this news to run now that we're we're just starting. There's a lot of news to get to. Um, there weren't much in terms of like brand new announcements, but we do have a couple of these indie game announcements that we're going to go through first, and then there's right. like a bunch of trailers, like a lot of trailers <laughs> uh, for games that are already announced. So, so yeah, well, saying, one of the one of one of the features here, you know, they're just uh, they're stating for fair as like uh, lead a tribe that's. Guarded, you know, this uh, legend for centuries, so now you're like kind of like a beacon of hope for this um, tribe. So you gather more tribes, people, save them from beasts, build up your village, see them come together. So there's a that, like, you know, it's not just about hunting monsters, it's about rebuilding a civilization aspect to this. And this is coming sometime next year for PC uh, via Steam. Uh, next up, we have. Uh, 
oh, this is interesting. So, uh, Hooded Horse and Overhype Studios uh, announced a new uh, TRPG, Menace, so the tactical RPG. And then, you know, players control a strike team um, in this game. Uh, I believe uh, James put this up. What did you think about this, James? Um, one second. Nope. Sorry, just need to open the podcast talk again. Okay. Yeah, this is the, this is about menace. Uh, you wrote up the news post for this game. Yeah, so I actually haven't uh, played any of uh, Hooded Horse's previous games, and I didn't think too much of it. Uh, but uh, uh, surprisingly, we got like a comment on the article saying that their previous game, Battle Brothers, was really good. So I, I guess people are excited for this, which that's that's always good to see with like smaller developers like this. Yeah, there's like a sci-fi tactical RPG, a lot of like you know uh, warfare going on. There's a tank. Um, section that the, that was shown off in the trailer, um, and, you know some of the key features they they're talking about is like procedurally generated multi mission uh, style operations, you know, large dynamic battle maps. Man, sometimes um, these sometimes these uh these PC centric games kind of like sneak or like sneakily popular. I'm looking at the Battle Brothers Steam page, very positive mm-hmm. reviews, and it has eighteen thousand reviews. Oh wow, that's a lot. Yeah, just like I had, not, I, I think I had heard of it, but I knew nothing about it. It's got a really kind of weird art style at a, at a glance. But hey, uh, seems like it's done well for itself, and people like yeah. it. So that's pretty good sales for a little indie game. So, so yeah, Menace. This is coming out sometime next year on uh, PC via the Steven Epic Game Store. If you were a fan of Battle Brothers, um, this is one to look out for. And if you've never heard of Battle Brothers before, like us, um, maybe check it out. I mean, that, that seems really promising from the feedback uh, I've been giving about that game. And this new, uh, new game seems pretty neat. Uh, next up, we have uh, uh, a hellish tactical RPG uh, called Hexen Hunters. Uh, it's announced for PC, and it's uh, set to release uh, sometime in 2024 on Steam and Epic Game Store. This is, um, you know, it's, it's like uh, an isometric a... action RPG uh, sort of sent. It, I guess it uses a role playing or a tabletop game kind of universe. Mm. It's it's sort of got that like sort of like Van Helsing kind of aesthetic to it. You're literally hunting like demons and vampires and things like that. Uh, literally the. Uh, Literally, the the uh, premise is the gates of hell opened, unleashing countless supernatural horrors on the world. Hundred years later, a select few are, have risen to beat back the forces of evil. So, that seems to be like uh, like eight able characters with all their own sort of set of equipment and skill trees, and then they can, I, I forgot how many players play together. I think it's like up to four, I believe. I'm not and sure. then you can have uh, um, different synergies uh, with each of your party members. Um, and it mentions this is uh, turn-based tactical battles uh, in this game. So uh, the the interesting thing about this game is like there's it's gonna be localized into a lot, just like um, English, German, French, Spanish, Italian, Polish, Czech, Turkish, Russian, Brazilian, Portuguese, simplified to traditional Chinese, Korean, and Japanese. That's a uh, that's one hell of a localization effort for um, a smaller release. That's I still get left out here. They don't have traditional Chinese. No, you just said simplified traditional Chinese. Oh, I thought you said simplified only. No, simplified and traditional Chinese. So, if you want to play this game in traditional Chinese, ciao. Feel free. 
Um, but yeah, this is this game looks pretty cool. Um, like I like uh, Adam mentioned, kind of based on like a uh, a tabletop role playing the tabletop role playing game Hex since seventeen thirty three. So that looks neat. Uh, next up, we have uh, a fantasy CRPG called Dark Envoy that's launching on October twenty fourth for PC via Steam and GOG. This is um, this is another isometric action RPG. It's actually been in development for quite a while, and it's kind of bounced around publishers a bit. Um, I have not played it, but these are the, this is the studio behind Towers of Time, I believe is what it's called, which is another one of those kind of like PC-centric games that uh, kind of had does sneaky has done sneakily well, um, but. You know, this is, this is for the CRPG fan base. It's kind of an action isometric game, isometric fantasy sort of game. Yeah, it looks like it's like a real time action thing, but you can like slower pause combat, yeah. so almost like Dragon Age One. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty neat. You know, has uh, a lot of uh, magical uh, attack elements to it, and you can craft enchant um, items and weapons in the middle of combat. So people who wanted like sort of like a Dragon Age One combat. Uh, sound ebb and flow um this might be a release that's uh worth up your alley and now if you're looking for that so that'll be out october 24th dark envoy uh next up is a release uh coming just in a few days actually mary skelter finale is uh, making its way to steam on september 12th um this was previously released on um playstation and switch did the, was the so, PlayStation version ever localized, or was that one of those ones that never was Switch only in the West? I forget. That's a good question. I I, I think I, I think I the don't PlayStation think it was localized. I I, really? I did the review for the Switch version. Yeah, huh. I, I was thinking it was one of those things where it literally didn't pass PlayStation certification or whatever. Oh wow! I huh? Okay. You know, that's I didn't a weird know thing. Well, this oh, no, game does wait. have a lot of fan service, though. Uh, no, it looks like it did release on PS4. Okay. What was I thinking? Was there a different uh, game? No, I, I, I kind of misheard you. I thought you said Vita. It's no, like... not Vita. Oh, oh. Sorry, I, I must be conflating it with something else. Um, so. uh, were you thinking about like, like the first game? Maybe the this Gaia game? 6. Oh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe it's one of those past releases. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was Mary Skelter 2 was Switch only, I think. So, oh. And that one didn't get the PS4 version. So yeah, I mean, uh, for people who haven't, uh, we're waiting for the Steam version of Mary Skelter Finale, um, September twelfth. Um, it'll have like you know all the DLC that released with it uh, as well. So yeah, all the goodies and all that stuff. Um, next up is uh, something I'm I'm. Oh yeah, uh, real quick, just making sure yeah. I was conflating it with Mary Skelter Two. That game was released in PS4 in Japan, but not in the West. So Finale okay. is though. So whatever that means. He was the best one, okay? You don't even need to play the finale. Shit, just end it with two. <laughs> well, there you have it. Child's review. Um, next one is uh, something I'm uh, excited about. Citizen Sleeper 2, Starward Vector. Uh, that's been announced for Xbox Series X and S and also coming to Xbox Game Pass. They also showed a little bit of like in-game footage about some of the locales you'll be exploring in the game, like the Hexport Exchange and the Factory Row. And all that sort of stuff. It looks to be a very different sort of like game flow. And the first one, you're like trying on a space colony, 
and now in the in the sequel, you seems to be in like magic a space station that will, um, like kind of grow over time. It seems and maybe go to other places. Um, there's also coming also on um PC as well, uh, obviously. And yeah, this is kind of um following up on the Star Citizen Sleepers kind of dice based RPG gameplay, where uh, when you start a new day in that game, you have a certain amount of dice that you can uh, play with and roll and see what sort of like activities you can uh, do based on the uh, die rolls that you get. Um, seems to be a more uh, fleshed out idea from the first game. Um, really looking forward to it, and I don't think they've uh, announced the release date for this yet. So um, it'll come when it comes, and then I'll be there. Um, maybe day one. Uh, Whenever it releases, depending on what comes around it. So yeah, that's Citizen Sleeper Two, uh, Starward Vector. There's the new the, the new announcements for your Xbox Series X and S, and also coming to Xbox Game Pass. Some good stuff. Um, next up, we have another game that I uh, played uh, earlier this year. Uh, Wandering Sword is coming out on September fifteenth for PC. Um, September somehow looking more and more busy than in terms, how it already was. In terms of sheer number of releases, September has got a lot. It's absurd. Yeah, and not to mention, you know, obviously big games like Starfield, or if you're more on the Japanese RPG side of things, you got, like, Fate Samurai Remnant. Mm-hmm. But there's just a lot of little, like, there's a lot of ports, a lot of indie games. There's just a lot. So th- this game, if people remember, was the... This was made by the Sword and Studio, published by Spiral Up Games. It's kind of like uh, the, the, the Chinese-developed um, um, people, people say it looks like Octopath, and if I remember correctly, the battle system is more like Live Alive-ish? Yeah, yeah. So it is a mix of like, like Octopath visuals and like Live Alive gameplay. I'm um, quite interested in it. I, I want to see how it goes. But, yeah. Uh, it, it, I, it, I, I think the only thing I'm worried about, because it's a Chinese publisher, they usually have localization quality issues when it comes to the English version. At least yeah, I, 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 yeah, I remember like the, the demo that I played definitely had like some rough text, so hopefully they uh, they polished that up, but it's it's definitely has that like Chinese-developed infused flair with it in terms of like, syst- like how it's like systems-heavy. Like this one has like different martial arts and different styles you can like invest in with different weapon types and like and, and the, the way that like the you learn uh, these skills is like uh, very much like a, like a chi skill tree in the game, and the way they like, visualize that's like through different like meditation stances, which is pretty cool in the game. Uh, when I'm, you see it, I'm gonna ask you a random question. Yeah, it'll be like, okay, there's this one Chinese RPG game that I played a long time ago, like I was a kid, right? It had like it had to do with mafias and stuff, but the thing is, in that game, it had a reverse kind of system, like. The boss starts out extremely difficult, but as you wear them down, they get weaker. So the game gets easier as the fight drags on because they're being injured. So they're being crippled by your attack, so they can't hurt you as much. Mm. So have you ever played a game where the boss gets weaker as you play and their strongest is at the beginning? Um, I've I played a few games that have like either like a morale system or some sort of uh, like, you know, some sort of almost like momentum system. Where once you kind of get over some sort of hump or hill, you know things start to go more smoothly. Yeah, I've, I've played games like that. Yeah, there's been like a few games like that. Like I'm thinking of like Hero Must Die. As far as sort of has a different like like similar system, um, that 
that um oh my god what was it called it was like uh i forgot it was like a power idea factory it's like death trillion of destruction sort oh, of I, I, like I didn't the, mean the sort of thing where you uh, like trillion well actually i have that on my shelf one second trillion <laughs> of destruction, yeah, yeah. Right? yes yes because i remember the premise of that right. yeah like the premise of that game was like was almost exactly what you described, Chow. Like there's like this unbeatable boss at the beginning of the game, and then you kind of spend that game like kind of like progressing your characters to sort of be more like have more of a fighting chance against that boss. I believe that was like. Well, I wasn't really referring game. to games that have like the macro scale. Like game starts out hard, you know, and you kind of get weaker and weaker. I was talking just more like boss fight design micro scale. Like, being like weaker like the, as you fight. Well, like like for example, the last remnant has a morale system, and it's it's kind of the cynical way to look at it is if you start doing bad, things get harder because your morale gets low, and you need to like boost it up before you can start you know gaining the advantage again. And in that game, you kind of have to manage it. But I was just saying, I, there are a couple games I played where you kind of you know have some sort of you know you got to get you know the gear rolling, you got to get some sort of momentum or swing. And then as soon as you get to that point, things become easier and as long as you can maintain it. So that's sort of what came to mind when Chow was thinking like a, game, a boss starts out hard and then kind of gets easier as you wear Ooh. it down. So. Yeah. The cynical way to look at it is that like a game punishes you for doing badly or whatever. So, I, I, I have no idea if Wandering Sword will have anything like that, Chow. Yeah. But um... how do we get on this tangent? Thanks, Chow. <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking because that, that was from a Chinese developer from a long time ago. Because in most games I played from any like I don't know like Japanese or Western culture is usually the boss is like when you're about to die, they become like fifty times stronger. You're about to die. Your all your bones are fucking shattered. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're more like, realistic. <laughs> you know, ten times stronger. And now you're super hard and surprise random game over when they're about to die. It's like, but you know, I just don't see like games with a reverse kind of design philosophy behind it. So, Wandering Sword coming out on September 15th for PC VSD. Um, I will somehow find time to play this game this year. That probably isn't going to be on launch, um, but we'll see. Um, I definitely want to give it a shot though. Um, another one here is uh, a time-driven exploration game. The time I have left is coming next year for PC. This has a pretty distinct look to it, and um, the trailer that they showed for Gamescom. But it's like like, like, a, like an adventure game with uh, with uh, RPG elements. It's yeah, very flashback. Yeah, it, it's very it's, stylized. It's, it's called like an adventure game with some turn-based combat, combat, and some RPG elements. So it's like light RPG. But it definitely has a very striking art style, uh, you know, very dark with kind of like splashes of red and blue and silver kind of throughout. Um, it's definitely got a, a very interesting palette in that sense. It's very, very artistic in my opinion. Yeah, it's, a, it's, I, it's, I believe it's, I don't know if the studio has made anything else. I believe it's a, it's a debut, stu- uh, a debut uh, project for this studio. Um yeah, yeah take, take a look at some of the screenshots on our website. It's sort of hard to desc- hard to describe, but it's like kind of like uh, it's kind of like a the color palette is like black, red, blue, and silver. It looks like they've read Persona Five and give it some. Weird... Well, it doesn't even, look like Persona Five. It's even darker than that. Like yeah. Persona Five is very colorful, and this is more moody. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it's, it's got an interesting kind of premise to it. Uh, this character is basically destined to die in six hours, and you're supposed to, like, escape with... Uh, it says, find clues, solve environmental puzzles, unlock hidden areas, secure your escape, um, explore or experience unique exploration gameplay combined with a fresh take on the classic JRPG formula. So... It also says that the timer is always ticking, but time flows in mysterious ways. So there is some sort of like time component to this, which I know some people might hesitate. Oh, I hate time limits, but maybe it's implemented in an interesting way. You know, this is like for Fire Five with the Dragon's Age. <laughs> there's all, there's also like reactive elements in the turn-based combat, like so you can actually like uh, like manually dodge like incoming attacks and stuff like that. So. But there, like there, there is a there, one of the screenshots here does show the character is level three with so many mm-hmm. stats and willpower and skills and spirit or no sprint, not spirit. So it is definitely an RPG. That's that's all that matters, right? You got stat points. That's right. So even has it in the the screenshots. Yep. There you go. So yeah, that that, that looks really neat though. Very very just very visually distinct. Mm-hmm. And the time I have left. Um, next up, yeah, we're getting to the trailers part of, uh... Yeah, we got a lot of trailers. A lot of trailers, so let's, uh, let's get, see what we have here. They showed, uh, uh like a mini, new mini trailer for this Mandragora. Small trailer for this game, it's like a, 2. a dark 2.5D fantasy, um, you know, uh, action RPG, magical spells, melee, dodge rolls, you know, it's, it's what you would expect, uh, from these sorts of games. Um... That's coming out next year on PC. Um, nothing much else that they showed. Uh, oh yeah, it's also coming out on uh, PlayStation Five, Xbox Series, uh, X and S, Nintendo Switch as well. Um, I don't know why it only showed the PC logo on the trailer. Well, because it's probably wish list now on Steam. Um, next up, one of the trailer reveals they showed off for uh, opening night live for Gamescom was a new trailer. Or Black Myth Wukong, that is this uh, Souls-like uh, journey to the West-inspired uh, action RPG, uh, made a pretty, you know, every time they show this game, it's always uh, very flashy, lots of spectacle. Um, this is this trailer is pretty funny because it's uh, it, it's like kind of uh, directed by uh, a bard that's playing this um, not guitar but like a shabby what do you call it? It's kind of like a, a more not as decorated as a guitar. It's more like it I, was, has... I thought it was like a sitar. Okay. But I don't know. Yeah, but the, but the, the the bard playing it is headless, and yet you're still hearing vocals off from it. Uh, pretty funny. And then you know it shows off a lot of boss encounters that they've shown past and and some new ones uh, in this game. You know a lot of as you imagine uh, from a Journey to the West card game. Uh, very bow staff. Uh, heavy uh, gameplay. And then, like, one of the new uh, things they showed off in this game is, like, kind of like a blood-red soaked battlefield, like, lighting against, like, this new boss. Um, they It's still slated for summer 2024, so still a ways off, but they keep on showing more and more of it and looks cooler every yeah, time. If this game kind of lives up to what the trailer displays, like, this is a very... This is going to be a very good game. If it meets up with expectations from, yeah. from what's shown there. Mm-hmm. I've seen some people joking that like this game is based on Dragon Ball. Dragon wrong. Ball is based on Journey to the West. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, it's, it's a joke. Oh, started the, it's, from it's, there. It's, it's a joke yeah. at the expense of people don't yeah. recognize that Akira Toriyama is apparently the author of classic Chinese 
folklore. Not I'm, joking. I'm joking. Next thing you know, <laughs> if, if you started the Free Kingdoms manga, Teal will probably Free Kingdoms based on that. You do play a monkey so, in this game. So I think the character's a little I think they literally just refer to the main character as monkey. <laughs> which is fair. But yeah. Uh, and then I, I think IGN has like uh, more like direct theme gameplay. They're just some of the bosses that they uh, played in the preview as well. Go check them out. Next is uh, the reemergence of uh, Crimson Desert uh, by Pearl Abyss. Uh, the lineage of this game, uh, you're gonna have to help me, Adam. Okay, so um, Pearl Abyss is most known for Black Desert Online, which is mm-hmm. an MMORPG that. Uh, I think is still doing well. Yeah, I mean it's I one of the more popular is... Korean MMOs. Uh, let me just—I'm curious. Um... Uh, I know a friend who's who spent many, many, many hours in Black Desert Online, like an absurd amount of hours. I heard that game's like very pay to win heavy. You would spend so much money <laughs> on it. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, I can't speak to that. All I know is. I mean, I, I just went to Steam database, and right now, the Steam version of Black Desert has 22,000 people playing, so that's not nothing. You know? That's a healthy player base. Yeah, so oh, yeah. now, Crimson Desert, at least the way it was originally pitched, seems sort of like the sequel. Not necess- not like like narrative sequel, but kind of like the next MMO from Pearl Abyss. Like, the follow-up to Black Desert. You know, you go from Black Desert to Crimson Desert. Like, okay, that makes sense. But they've kind of refused recently to call it an MMORPG, which is sort of funny going... Like, I've literally gone through back through the press releases how they refer to this game. Uh, most recently, I believe they call it... Let me pull it up here. Like, a, they don't call it an RPG, actually. They call it, like, an online adventure game. Let me see what they say. It's, it's very... Uh... Yeah, they call it an open-world action-adventure game. Yeah, they don't even call it online. Is it still online? I know at one point they said it was. The Anyways, yeah. the trailer here kind of feels like, and I saw many people describe it this way, Crimson Desert's trying to be like the everything game. The, do, do everything. It's got every genre. You know? Yeah, they're just like, so you have your, your typical like fantasy, medieval fantasy-based like action gameplay. A lot of shaky cam in this trailer. There's a lot of horseback riding, a bunch of like, archery... That at some point, like you know, they they you're kind of interacting with the village or like buying and selling uh, things. Then you can like chop trees, and then at some point you can like play instruments. There's like a hot air balloon you can ride on. You can skydive. There's like interdimensional gates. There's uh, there's like a like a, almost like a lighting mechanic in this game. Um, uh, there's a there's, there's a lot of other things like yeah like i think i mentioned one of the first things i said to adam was like because he wasn't watching this in real time i was like yeah this game is just trying to be like everything pretty much the thing i'm most curious about is the character creator i like i i i do have black desert installed on my computer before and i just spent the whole day playing with the character creation i don't even actually play the fucking game like I, i wonder if they actually make like a character creation thing that even surpasses black desert Yes. I thought yeah. that was like one of the greatest. You just you spend you spend three hours creating a character, and then you spend like thirty minutes playing the game. Oh, I'm done. Yeah, that's my experience with Black Desert. <laughs> and they say it. They say it's developed on Pearl Abyss's propriety next generation Black Space Engine. Wow. Yeah. Now we still don't have a release date for this, but they do say it's a simultaneous global release of console and PC platforms. 
whenever that is. We got confirmation uh, for another thing about this uh, recently with um, AMD's FSR 3 announcement details where apparently this is going to support FSR 3, which makes it sound like it's probably closer to release than not. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, it'd be really cool if there's like a single player game that where you can do everything. That'd be... I don't know. I'm like... I'm more. I'm not morbidly curious. I'm very curious, but very hesitantly curious about this game because I still don't know like what it is. Really? Well, yeah. Like Maybe. it shows. It shows you doing a lot of stuff, but I don't know in what I'm working towards. So I, I was actually like, looking uh, through uh, previous emails about what they called this game. Apparently, they 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 first called Crimson Desert an open world MMORPG set in an epic fantasy world. Like okay. And then, and then they called it a massive open-world action-adventure game with content designed for both solo play and multiplayer. Oh, no, I feel like maybe they saw the success of Final Fantasy XIV and they're like, maybe they'll make it It almost it feels more... like they just are kind of shy to call it an MMORPG. And then, more recently, a new immersive open-world action-adventure game. They're going to jump scare us that there is an MMORPG. <laughs> <laughs> they want that more um, casual approach, the amusement park experience for players, <laughs> I don't know, man. This game is so... It's it's still one of the most confusing games ever to me. That's to me. Um, but it's it's cool that they showed it off again. I don't know what, what game it is, type of game it is at this point, but it sure is a video game. Um, that's Crimson Desert. Uh, next up, they, they're showing more of the Lords of the Fallen um, new game. New Lords of the Fallen game. <laughs> Not not really a it's not really a sequel it's not really a reboot I, I guess it is it's kind of both a sequel and a reboot yeah I guess um, they showed a new story trailer for it uh, to become a dark I didn't, I'll, I'll admit I didn't watch this trailer uh, yeah I'm just they showed a lot of trailers trailer. for this game we yeah there's before. a big preview of, there's a big preview event that people did too at other outlets. Yeah, well, you know, we have a preview myself on too. too. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true too. Sorry, yeah. yeah. James I've played wanna... this. I've played several hours of this game. Yeah, you, you, put, you put up a lot of things, James. So I, I got I lost track of what you put up. Understandable. Yeah. There's definitely some things I've forgotten that I've written this, this <laughs> so far too. Or James, that might be me with Tax West. We'll see. But um, yeah, we've talked before how this game is sort of like a Souls-like with this dual world mechanic. That's the kind of its gimmick in terms of what it's setting itself apart. So yeah. that comes out mid-October. Yeah, they're showing you off a whole hell of a lot of this game, and it's still kind of far out a little. Yeah. So all of September. Well, it's uh, gone gold, yeah. so I mean. Yeah. And then uh, next I think up you missed, is... You missed the Cyberpunk trailer. Oh, right. Sorry. Uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of links. Yeah. Uh, um, but... Have any of us played Cyberpunk? I've been meaning to. I just haven't. I've been meaning to as well, but as soon as I found out that there was like system changes yeah, with the uh, with the expansion, I was like, I'll just wait for. Yeah, the that, that's what I was getting at. Is this trailer actually shows not just there's like a new story with the new character played by Idris Elba. You know, kind of they they keep calling it kind of like a world of spies and political intrigue. So there's this new expansion story, but alongside that, this expansion also has they talk about overhauls in the police system. They talk about overhauls and skill trees and perks and everything so like james was saying they, they're they're changing a lot not just not even an expansion and not even just like gameplay changes like i know that like on the pc technical side of things and this is something that will apply for both of us since we both have 4090s uh 
recently, um, NVIDIA announced the DLSS 3.5, which has a new AI uh, denoiser for ray tracing, which if you're listening and you don't know what that means, basically, if you've ever seen a game of ray tracing, and even if you haven't, a lot of times because uh, current PC and console hardware, even though it can do ray tracing, it only has a limited amount of like samples it can do for each ray sent. Uh, it means that uh, it, it's going to look very noisy, very muddy, and you mm. kind of use a denoiser to try and uh, kind of smooth things over. Current denoisers for ray tracing are not great, uh, and there's a lot of ghosting. There's a lot of fuzz. Uh, I'm not sure if you've noticed that in games, or well, anyone has noticed that in games in this call. But if 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 you have, that's why. Uh, one of the things that DLSS 3.5 adds is this thing called ray reconstruction, which works similarly to the way that DLSS works, where it uses a lower input resolution and then uses the AI accelerated hardware on current NVIDIA GPUs to basically uh, do a better upscale upsample of the base resolution to a higher fidelity resolution. And uh, Ray Reconstruction does that for ray tracing. And with the Phantom Liberty expansion, they're going to add in that technology for um, Cyberpunk. In fact, which this are- trailer that they showed at Gamescom is really not about the expansion story stuff at all. It's all about all these redesigned everything else, not the technical stuff that you were getting into, just all the systems changes and tweaks and redesigns and re configurations and all that so and they also mentioned that like some of these like features are gonna come to the base game say base cyberpunk 2077 game itself and an update 2.0 so but the dlc story is current gen only right so yes if i understand correctly they've basically retooled the skill trees like all the skill trees they've retooled the ai and so like and uh, obviously, there's the technical changes that I just detailed. Yeah, with, like, the, the news post that we have on our site, which has the trailer, also has the press release where they kind of go down the things that have changed uh, yeah. in terms of uh, design. So, Yeah, so basically, if you're buying the expansion, the only thing that buying the expansion gets you is the new region in Night City. And you also get access to a separate skill tree that's exclusive to the expansion. Uh, but pretty much if you just care about the system changes and everything that encompasses that, then you will get that for free as a free update as long as you you have a current-gen console and PC. Because, again, the uh, since the expansion is exclusive to current-gen and PC, I'm pretty sure this most recent update will not be coming to like PS4, Xbox One. I think that's the only stipulation that seems, here. That seems reasonable. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will hopefully play this game one day, but September uh, is I, mess. September is trouble. Uh, I have like besides the game I already mentioned and Immortals of Abium, I guess that's not super long. Uh, there's another game on my backlog that I'm trying to finish before the middle of next month for a reason that I'll probably be able to talk about later. Uh, but I don't exactly know off the top of my head how much later. Just. Uh, uh, very busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So that is the cyberpunk stuff. And then, uh, as with, uh, most of these, uh, events, uh, Hoyo verse or Mahoyo or whatever. So got a lot of trailers uh, left guys. 
Uh, you know, they, they 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 put off like you know a trio of trailers, a new one for Zenless Zone Zero, which has no release date, and Chow hates it already. Um, we have one for Honkai Star Rail, uh, which is focusing on a new character or two of the new characters with their version 1.3 update, and also talking about the a technical test coming for the PlayStation version. I believe that technical test has already started. I believe it started today or yesterday. Mm. I think. Don't quote yeah. me on that. I, I, yeah, I think I think they they mentioned that uh, started on August twenty three, so a few days ago. Yeah, so so people have already been uh, playing that in some way, shape, or form on their PlayStation. Uh, let's see. They also uh, put out a trailer for uh, Genshin Impact, which is uh, focusing on their latest major um, world and story update, which. Um, Chad talked about, about that last week. Last week, yeah, about ago. Fontaine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's about Fontaine. So, you know, the, for, for people who wanted something new out of this, it's just throwing more Zenless Zone Zero with no release date. Uh, and I they, have like, to you admit, know, whenever I cover Hoyover stuff on the site, I kind of just assume that the Hoyoverse fandom, like, they are, they know more about it than I do already. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Because if you look at their Twitter response... There's always like zero response or which tweets, so it's like, yeah, they're packing their holy over source no matter where. Yeah, I kind of feel okay. like for those sorts of games, like once you kind of get that fandom, their source is the that studio itself. You know, they're just like, I'm just gonna use whatever Hoyover says on Twitter. That's my source. So, Luckily, you just oh, we still cover it. Out of if you if you want the attention uh, of the fandom so much, Adam, just go. Write an article that says all Hoyoverse games suck <laughs> and use and you suck yeah, for liking them. Yeah, our site would be boycotted to oblivion. It would well, be gone. I, 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 I kind of have I kind of the feeling that some people would agree, but like it sucks, but I love it anyway. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think it's kind of like an up and down moment. It's like that meme. We're so back and now we're so over. So over. We're so. That's, back. that's like my experience with their games. <laughs> Always fantastic. Okay, well, that's the Hoyoverse stuff. Um, okay, and then we also got a new uh, gameplay trailer for Persona 5 Tactica, who lives in the in the shadow of Persona 3 Reload, almost. Um, but, you know, it's it's more footage of the strategy RPG spinoff of Persona 5 coming on November 17. Um, it sure looks like RPG. Yeah, it, ha- it shows, like, the equivalent of the all-out attacks... The skill tree, and plus our favorite thing, Atlas DLC. Yay! Yeah, don't, don't you love that you have to pay to buy this game, and then you have to buy like Goro and Kasumi. Uh oh, it's it's, it's 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 uh, spoiling Lavenza or whatever. Oh her yeah, name was. they they did that with Royal years ago. They're like, yeah, Lavenza. Everyone knows about Lavenza now, right? So no, she, I don't she, know. <laughs> she, well, she, clearly, she's doing... Lavenza is just. A girl with she's... silver hair and blue clothes, and in this game wearing a or wielding a big mallet and like a she's like, like a, an iron a face in the shield. Game yeah, she's to like make a persona. Yep. What the fuck? It's funny. <laughs> um, I wonder what happened to those people that never played Persona Five. Like, I still, I still think it was the funniest thing when Atlas, when Persona Five Royal was coming out, Atlas Japan put out a tweet with Lavenza basically saying, "Don't spoil this game." Like, when your like, character's yeah, the character who's telling this is a spoiler. Like, okay, thanks. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Um, the, the interesting thing is, like, uh, at the end of the trailer, they they have 
Goro and Kasumi. Yeah, they're the DLC. This oh, okay, so they're the DLC. Yeah, but they're, they're, that's, that's what I was getting at earlier. Okay. They love Atlas DLC, where if okay. you want these characters, you have to buy them. Separately. But, it, but it's, like, it's kind of like more, quote-unquote, canonizing the royal version of Persona 5, I guess. I wonder if yeah. this game will also have some sort of weird, stupid canon explanation, like... It was all mm-hmm. a dream that they actually had in real canon. And it was, yeah. It. God, the Persona Q fucking yeah, justification. Persona so. Q is technically canon. It's stupid, yeah. but it technically is. They just Atlas all forgot is canon. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this is also sort of annoying. Is uh, I We got the press release on this game that they put out this trailer. But I'm like, I'm trying to find the trailer online. And I'm like, where is it? It's not on Atlas's site. Or on Atlas's YouTube, it's like, oh, of course, this game is on the Xbox YouTube because it's an Xbox exclusive, right? Mm, mm. It's not. They just want you to think that. That's very the, silly. The, the, the fucking Xbox marketing with this shit is so. St- I've said before that I know some other games have like marketing agreements, but I I feel like Atlas and Sega are more extreme, where it's like only you can only find it on the Xbox YouTube channel. Really. Eh. <laughs> I sincerely hope they're getting paid enough for that. Uh, uh, completely unrelated. Have has anyone else seen the uh, official PC requirements for Tactica and Reload? No. I have to imagine Tactica's oh. requirements are not high. All right, all right. So, you guys are seated for this, right? Sure. Okay. If you're if you want to play uh, Persona 5 Tactica on the recommended specs for 1080p 60 high settings. You're going to need a groundbreaking, innovative GPU from the year. God, over a decade ago, it requires a GTX 650 Ti. Huge. <laughs> okay, I, thought you were, I thought you were going to go the other direction have... and say that it was like requiring like... 4090. Like, no, recommended specs for a for 1080p 60 high on Tactica is a 650 Ti, and that's the minimum spec for uh, Persona 3 Reload. The recommended spec for Persona 3 Reload is uh, GTX 750. Oh, wow. I'm just going to say it. Why the fuck isn't that on Switch, then, with those requirements? Uh, Really? Jesus Christ. I I play fucking Ion with those specs. (laughs) I thought you were going to go the other direction and have have these games have weirdly uh, demanding requirements, despite Tactica not looking like a demanding game. I, I don't know what I'm more impressed about. The fact that the requirements are that low, or they even bothered to test on that. That's a <laughs> GPU over 10 years old. A mid-range GPU over 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. rubbing it in with his elitist computer card expertise. Anyways, Listen, I don't play Tactica. I don't have, like, great expectations, but... Hey, I actually like Persona Q games more than the mainline stuff, but I'm also, like, a dungeon-crawling head... But I'll I'll try this. I'll try it. I'll play it. I'll play it. I'll play it. Um, the Adiplex, uh USA uh, opened up the, Engl- uh, the English website for their upcoming localization of Tsukihime, A Piece of Blue Glass Moon. Along with that is the trailer that they showed off at Anime Expo that didn't get streamed accidentally. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, for- I, I did not watch the trailer, but there's no release date confirmed yet, right? That's next year, or PS4 and, and Switch, and so, yeah. there's still not technically a PC version, right? I mean, they they it's, it's one of those weird things where like they showed off, yeah, they it, but... it, it, at Type Moon Ace, uh, 
the that recently released like earlier this month. They 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 had a a, a, a PC lo- logo with Tsukihime, uh, but they didn't comment on anything. So that's Type Root's official magazine, and they put a PC logo for Tsukihime. Un- uh, unfortunately, that is you know feasibly just a mistake where they're like, "Whoops, we just put the logo there and we didn't mean." To. Maybe and like they, 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 have, they have not deconfirmed it, and they, and they they then that's they. But as far as the there. English marketing goes, they haven't said anything. Yeah, so it's just a PS4 yeah. Switch game, right? So, right. I mean, I, I don't mind we playing Witch on the Holly Knight on PC, but there is a PC version, but it's a dated out of, the, out of print PC version with no voice acting. I want it with like the enhancement they did in the consoles. So, but, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, so there's not really anything you can use. It's just kind of English website with English trailer. You can see how the English version is shaping up with that trailer. It's an introduction to people who maybe are interested or yeah. like are familiar with fate, but maybe not mm-hmm. with this, you know, yeah. I don't know if that's a big set of people, but probably is, <laughs> you know, it's an introduction to, you know, the broader audience. So yeah. Uh, next up we have a, a new trailer for Warhammer 40 K rogue trader, uh, showing off the companions, the party members, uh, in a pretty sort of lengthy trailer, uh, giving them a rundown, like a, a pretty pretty uh, diverse amount of I know uh, people like the Warhammer. characters in the Pathfinder games. Yeah, um, and so this is sort of the equivalent here. And so this is from Alcat, who are the developers behind Pathfinder Kingmaker and Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous, which are popular games in that sphere for sure. In fact, we actually got a little bit of flack last year. Because Brian was the one who played Wrath of the Righteous, and he wasn't super fond of it, and so we didn't include it on our final like top ten of the year, and people got mad at us. Sorry, um, but um, I know a handful of people who like the Pathfinder games who don't know anything about Warhammer at all, but they're like, if this is a an Alcat game, I'm going to play this. I don't know anything about uh, Warhammer, yeah. but I'm going to play this. <laughs> yeah, I, I really want to check this out. Um, so I. Uh... Oh, and PAX West, I'm going to go check out. Uh, the, this is one of the games I'm going to go check out. Mm-hmm. But I was uh, talking with Kazuma uh, through Discord, and uh, they were saying that they really like this game. Like, uh, I guess they went to some preview, previous preview for this game. Uh-huh. And they're, they're, they're a big fan of uh, Path, uh, Pathfinder, and they said that, that they really like uh, what they're seeing in Rogue Trader. Mm-hmm. And then they said that it's, like, it's really fun. And like, I'm like, oh, man, I'm excited now if you're saying that. Because like, like, I've never played the Pathfinder games, um, but I do like XCOM, um, so the, this kind of looks a little bit like XCOM to me. Well, and I I'm also I think it's supposed to be more just classic computer RPG. Yeah, but then, but like you know, when I see like the shield icon by cover, oh. like you know, I think of XCOM. So, but but I, but you know, I, I also like CRPGs as well. But I, I'm also one one of those people that like I'm not super deep into Warhammer lore or like a Warhammer fan, but I do play Warhammer games. Like I play Space Marine, I play a little bit of Vermintide. You know, I played um, sort of like the old second Vermintide. It was a fun the, game. The old strategy game, the old Warhammer strategy games. I, I played uh, here and there. So like, I, like I'm not a big Warhammer fan, but I do like Warhammer games. So you oh, know, I'm, when I think of Warhammer, I think of those like little like miniature like figurines that people the paint tabletop, that they used yeah. to play. That's all. I, I, think I I'm interested in playing the Pathfinder games, but I there I know if they're about a hundred hours each. Like man. A lot. Yeah, so I, I don't know how long this game is going to be, but it does it does look pretty cool though. That's all I can say. It's like, yeah, I I I see 
like a, a a battle brother and like, hey, that's a space marine. He looks cool. <laughs> um, and they also uh, confirmed that uh, co-op mode is coming to PC, Windows PC day one, and um, will be coming later in post-launch for the Mac and console versions of Rogue Trader. So, neat. So yeah, if people want to see more of the party members in Rogue Trader, go watch that companion trailer. Um, and, you know, if you're a Warhammer fan, I'm sure there's a lot to chew on uh, with that. Uh, next up, we have uh, a launch trailer for Sea of Stars, which is coming pretty soon. Uh, it's coming, what, Monday. like just in a few days? Yeah. So, August 29th uh, for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Switch and PC via Steam. Um, in this launch trailer, they showed off a new playable character, Sarai, a portal assassin. Uh, she seems pretty fun. Like some of the the battle footage they showed with her was bouncing between portals, like throwing like I think kunai or whatever. Um, it is a pretty uh, fun concept for a character. One thing I'm curious about for this game. Um, so when I think about this game, I sort of think about Chain Echoes. I know I was more positive on Chain Echoes than you were, but the thing I'm mm-hmm. curious about mostly is that Chain Echoes has a lot of characters. You have four characters yeah. in battle, and I think like 16 total. Where this game, I think we've only been introduced to four. You have the main two characters, whose name are Zale and Valerie, I, I believe. And then you have like a third character named Garl, who's kind of like this sort of fighting cook. And then you have mm-hmm. Sarai, who's this ninja, and that's like it. So there's only four characters we're, we're introduced to. So I'm kind of curious about just like the structure of the game, um, both gameplay-wise, you know, managing only four characters in battle, and also just like narrative in terms of, you know, focusing on each of these characters. So that's that seems like a, at least the way I'm looking at it, a pretty big difference from some, from something like Chain Echoes, which is also sort of in that, you know, yeah. new take on a SNES RPG. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think this game, it, obviously, it looks excellent. It looks incredible. Very great. Very good art style. Very good, you know, direction there. Oh. Very good colors. Um, very curious to see how this plays. I will probably check it out. Yeah, so I yeah, that, uh, it out yeah, they announced the physical release for this game is coming early 2024 mm-hmm. in partnership with IM 8-Bit. So if people want to get the physical version, uh, that'll be coming. <laughs> and yeah, I, I definitely want to check it out as well. Um, I like off time. I think like some of the people are bitter about the game because they were was it like it has connections to the messenger, which is a very up and down game. You either love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. Or I've never played the messenger. I know some people love it. Yeah, some people I know like Colin and our staff doesn't like it. At least the writing element of it. But I'll also give this game a fair shot. Yeah, you know it's a different genre. It's not like a side scroller. We'll see. No, we'll see. We'll see how it shapes up. Hopefully, hopefully it's really good. Um, so that's the of stars. Uh, next, we have uh, cozy RPG Terra Memoria, uh, showing off town building and combat in a new gameplay trailer. Um, yeah, this is from a French developer. It's sort of it, it looks sort of like uh, um, it kind of reminds me of like Breath of Fire Four in its style, but not quite that mm. good. I mean, really, honestly, not nearly that good. But it sort of reminds me of that. But it's got like it's sort of like a town building light rpg hybrid sort of game it's it's actually kind of hard to get a uh, get a get a grip on like what's in terms of like the overall structure of the game in terms of it's you know what you actually do when you're playing it but it's yeah some sort of mix of town building and jrpg stylings so it's got a kind of a cool pixel art style but 
at some points of the trailer that does have like that reminiscent of like that isometric character of like your characters are like one at, at one end of the diagonal of the frame and then the enemies are the other end of the diagonal of the frame mm-hmm. sort of like super mario rpg style yeah or <laughs> breath of fire 4 yeah so, breath of fire 4 yeah so good the game yeah, breath of fire 4 is good you should play it so that's coming uh, on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, Nintendo Switch, and PC via Steam. No uh, date. It just says coming soon. Yeah. So yeah. It's Terra Memoria. Um, this is uh, an interesting one. There's uh, a Victorian steampunk CRPG called Sovereign Syndicate. Uh, they released a new trailer for Gamescom 2023. It, I guess this has been around for some time on Steam, but um, they recently released a demo on it on Steam. Uh, before Gamescom, it's um, you know, it, it, it's very it has a very distinct look to it, but because of that Victorian era style, um, and then of course the most easy comparison is like there's the the, the text box on the the right end of the side look kind of looks like um, on Disco Elysium uh, adventure narrative style um, framing of the of the presentation, and um, and the, the like the you have like three. Um, selectable characters and like the descriptions they have is like kind of all over the place like the first one they introduce you to is Atticus Daly it's like an orphan an orphan minotaur magician like okay <laughs> okay but, sure that's different yeah yeah I'm so I, I, I this is my honestly my first time looking at this game I saw you cover it but to be honest there was just so much last week I hadn't had a time to really look at it right. yet but yeah I'm just looking at I'm just gonna just I'm not even reading the descriptions I'm just looking at like the thumbnail yeah, there's like a minotaur with like a vest. He has his abs showing. He's got these little like metals on his vest and he's wearing a is he wearing a top hat? Yes, he is wearing a top hat. <laughs> and then there's a yeah. woman wearing like a blouse with one of those like corset things um with a big belt and a little tiny like bowler hat. And then there's like a dwarf with like a very dwarven braided beard. <laughs> okay, that's that's my visual description. I can't tell what the dwarf <laughs> is holding like a staff. Okay. Yeah, and then the, this game is, um, they 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 seem to like uh, place a heavy element on the role playing aspect, where like, p pe- like people in the game may even react differently dep- uh, on you depending on your selection of like the character's gender, race, appearance, and uh, obviously the dialogue choices that you make. So even like the way that like you build your character from the get go may have different um, implications and uh, reactions from like the people that like you interact with in the game and the game is very they're they're pitching it to be very free form almost like of course you can go like head-on approach with through battles but then there's some sort of like dialogue persuasion option as well it does seem to have a very disco elysium looking dialogue Mm -hmm. i know you said that already but like you're definitely you're not lying for sure yeah so yeah and then then they're saying there's like there's no random stat points in this game um and then you use your skills to level up and there's like there's uh, some sort of tarot card option in our chance system in the game uh, as well. So it seems to be juggling a lot. Um, there, there's a demo out on Steam if you want to give it a try, uh, give it a go uh, as well. So yeah, it looks pretty interesting, pretty uh, distinct looking, uh, and, and good character designs. Yeah. Um, next up is uh, the a story trailer for the Thaumaturge. It shows the protagonist of Victor in an alternate uh, 1905 Warsaw. Uh, you covered this, Adam. Uh, tell me a bit about it. Apparently, this is like Pokemon, but very fucked up. What? 
What? Really? You like these characters, these thaumaturges, they like kind of like summon, it's almost like SMT Pokemon-ish. You have like these like eldritch demon whores that they like bind to, to fight these enemies. I forget what the enemies are called. They're called uh, Salutors. Um, okay. That need to be tamed. And um, the the uh, tagline to this game is uh, everyone has their own demons. So it's, I don't know, it's sort of like a Polish take on SMT in a CRPG, okay. I guess. You, um, you got my attention. The trailers don't show a lot of gameplay, but it looks like it has like some sort of uh, tactical-ish turn-based combat. Hmm. Um, but honestly, I kind of wish there was more footage of these games because there have been three trailers so far, but they're only each about like a minute each. And this most recent one is more of a story trailer. And this, this character's sister is narrating to him and basically wanting him to come back. But I guess because of his position as a thaumaturge, he's sort of like distanced himself from his family. Um, it says his sister, Ligia, is deeply fearful of her brother endangering his life in pursuit of unearthly entities and their hosts. So... Interesting premise, but I kind of I want to see more. Thaumaturge sounds like a cool profession if you can stand it. <laughs> what is? I don't even know what the definition of thaumaturge is. Let me. I'm gonna like. What is it exactly? <laughs> I've seen you know. I've seen it like thrown around here and there. Okay. Yeah. It's you see, it like basically, it's like a mage. This is just Wikipedia. Purported uh-huh. capability of a magician to work magic or other paranormal events, or a saint to perform miracles. And it's sometimes translated to English as wonder working. Okay. It seems like, yeah, that that seems very, like, polar opposite. Like, you either work with demons or, like, you're a saint. Yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Seems like a cool profession either way. (laughs) This is from developer Fool's Theory and published by 11-Bit Studios. Supposedly coming out this year. Okay. There's a lot of... No no, no date yet, but... Man, that that game actually sounds cool, though. Fuck. That's a a pretty interesting time period and premise. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then we have a new character trailer for uh, from East America for Monochrome Mobius Rights and Wrongs Forgotten. And to be clear, this is for the console re- English console release of the game because this came out uh, last year on the PC via Steam. And that was from, um, was it Ashuravune? Uh, so, you know, Nisa, basically East America is doing you know, their own fair share of marketing for the English console release uh, of this game. So yeah, this I mean, comes out pretty soon too. Like, also in September. Oh September. God, yeah, September fifth. Yeah, yeah. So if you didn't so. play the PC version or don't play these games on PC, uh, yeah, this is next one next month. Also, I made a whole uh, feature about yeah, that. Yeah, and actually, uh, NIS America yeah. retweeted that recently. They went, they saw it. Oh, they did. Yep. Well, yeah. oh, that makes sense because uh, I got an email from uh, Nick over there asking, "Hey, did you?" Uh, put anything up from the last time you were over here. It's like, yeah, here's a link to it. So probably oh, they found the well. tweet. And, and then uh, well, let me lastly... One second, one second. Okay. So this game comes out uh, September 5. So if you're not, if you are an RPG fan, but you're you're more on the JRPG side and not the Starfield side, you can buy this instead. But there's also a shitload of other RPGs. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's, as well. So, you know, Godspeed. Uh, lastly, we have another new trailer for East 10 Nordics. Uh, this is like a systems trailer that goes over like systems like the Monosense, Ravenstones, battle abilities. 
This, they're, um, they're, 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 these were actually uh, like two separate but concurrent announcements, so it's a little bit weird. Uh, Falcom, obviously the Japanese developer, they released details on Mana Sense and hmm. Ravenstones. The Mana Sense is sort of weird. It's kind of like uh, I don't know Witcher Witcher Vision or something, where you get to just you see get a call on items. Yes, you get an item called a Druid Monocle. Yeah, there's a screenshot with. I, and I think it was even in the last trailer where Adol's wearing this. It almost looks like a DVZ scouter. It's a monocle, but... Um. <laughs> One note, the uh, really cursed uh, pre-order bonus. Oh, the uh, Picard uh, Kegurumi. Oh, yeah. You can wear... Oh. You can be like a humanoid Picard, which is a little pig guy. That is pretty cursed. Yeah, I saw it, that. It's especially cursed because not only do you have the Picard head, but like they even show like the, the from the back, and it's like, yeah, it's like a it's like a skin tight fursuit, and then you just have the little like stubby tail on the back. It's like it's, they're they're going I for the furry know. audience. Sorry, Anyways. I guess they kind of already went halfway there with uh, Mishi. 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 Or well, I mean, Mishi. Mishi. yeah, you got like the raven oh, yeah, and yeah. the bull and the different animals. Okay, damn does not does no one remember you six? Oh, I mean, they're just elf Chow, girls, right? What elf ears it's, and and the tail is not furry. <laughs> Damn, that doesn't count. I I guess I'm not a furry expert. Rip. Uh, look, Chow, let's get out the chart of like one of the spectres not furry and the other. What, the what's that one furry. picture where it's like the girl like walking up the stairs, becoming more and more a fox? <laughs> uh, Think of like the Animorphs covers, Chow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, so the the Falcom announcement, or just the, so Falcom always does this with their games. Where like every two weeks they release like little tidbits of info on their upcoming games, whether it's Kaseki or East. So they have the monocle thing, which again is some sort of like Witcher sense. It says uh, you can temporarily slow on time, you can pass through doors or see platforms you normally couldn't see, or you know that's those sort of things. So we'll see how that works out. This is potentially more interesting to me. In that the Ravenstones are these things you find in dungeons or locations that split up Adol and Karja. They're normally like literally bound together with a chain, but this this will kind of temporarily split them up. And it basically says like when you're split up, you're less powerful because you're by yourself. But you have to do these sort of like you know puzzly dungeon elements where you know Adol might make a new make a new path for Karja to go to tra- to traverse a new path for Adol in re- in in response those sorts of things so I'm kind of curious how that works and then um Falcom also released a lot of details on like their individual skills personally I don't really care to read these cuz you if you're just going to play the game anyway you'll see them in action but at the same time the Asian publisher which is Clouded Leopard Entertainment released a trailer on some of the other systems which show things that were already introduced like the ship um and also the uh uh the character growth systems like the line the line growth systems and things like that and once again that's all in english even though the game will not be in english for a long time yep um so that game comes out next month in japan and asia no english release uh, soon, TM. <laughs> soon, as in, at the very <laughs> least, the very least, like two years from now, and that's being that's being uh, generous, optimistic. Yeah, well, well, we'll get there one day. You know, you just gotta you just gotta keep on trucking along until then. I wonder if, when will if I assume it's going to happen. When we'll get like that East uh, Falgana port in English? Because that's already that's been out for a few months. 
And then like Tokyo Xanadu, I think that came out or is coming out soon. In for Switch, for, for, the, for Switch, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, well, uh, we did it. We made it. We got through all the news announcements, all the trailers, all the whatevers, and yeah. you know, most of it Gamescom, um, some of it not. But uh, here we are. You, yeah, you survived. You did it. I mean, some bigger yeah. scale stuff with like Cyberpunk and Lords of Fallen and. Um, you know, Persona Reload and whatnot, but a lot of smaller scale stuff, which I think is cool and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then next week we have Sea of Stars is like the big release next week. And then Starfield is technically the week after. I know there's a, an early access period too. So that's kind of like what kicks off September and then, uh, Tokyo game show. That's not right. that far away. Less than a month, roughly a month. Yeah. Yeah. Never they to sleep, is But they you know Brian should be back uh, next week. I'll be out. Um, I'll be checking out some cool stuff at PAX West that uh, I'll be able to talk about the week after. Um, seeing you know quite quite a bit of things uh, out of the show floor. Some first hands on uh, with some stuff that has been announced, but that has actually been like shown off to the public yet. So I can probably talk about those. I'll be able to uh, talk about Starfield. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if I'll be if I'll have played Starfield by the time, but hopefully I will. Um, yeah, that'll be one hell of a game. And yeah, uh, I'll see you guys um, two weeks from now. Technically two weeks from now, yeah. So, and then I'll tell you all about Pax West if I'm not dead from Pax West. Wear <laughs> mask. Hopefully you don't catch yeah. COVID again or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I don't get fucking sick again. So yeah. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. I gotta plan out my survival strategy. And if you're if you're hearing this and you're going to Pax West, you know, if you don't, if don't you be a stranger, see if you if you see someone walking around in a hazmat suit, it's probably Josh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the only way to be uh, sure, you know, <laughs> wear the crow suit, the the one that they used during the Black Death. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would look conspicuous on offshore security. But like, yeah, cosplay. Why are you wearing that? Um, it's just cosplay. I don't know what you're. That's all it is. Anyway. Hmm. But yeah, that's uh, uh, this edition of the TetraCast. You can find us on RPGSite.net for our main site. You can find us on Twitter at RPGSite. You can find us on Facebook via Facebook.com/RPGSiteNet. You can find us on YouTube on youtube.com slash RPG site net. You can find us on your favorite podcast app, whether that be Tetra, uh, iTunes or uh, Spotify or whatever. Are we on uh, Google Podcasts? I think we are. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You can find our Discord via discord.com slash invite slash RPG site. A lot of people talk about Armored Core there at the moment. Um, but, you know. Uh, it's always active. People are always uh, excited and happy to chat with others about RPGs and not RPGs. They like talking about mobile games. They like talking about anime um, and all that good stuff. Uh, until then, that's been this edition of the TetraCast. I've been your host, Josh Torres. Thank you, Adam Vitali. Thank you, James Galizia. Thank you, Chao Minwu, for joining me once again on this uh, edition of the TetraCast. Until then, you guys stay safe, have fun, prepare for 
uh, uh, chaotic, hectic uh, month of new video game titles releasing.